Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Play action. Mayfield in the pocket. Steps up. Rifles it over the middle. Picked off by the Colts. And that's Ronnie Harrison. Minshew out of the gun. First and goal for the Colts at the four. And they hand it off to Taylor. Left side. Spinning his way towards the goal line. He's in. Touchdown. Shotgun snap. Minshew flies it upfield. Catch. Run after the catch. Michael Pittman Jr. scurrying down the far sideline. He was wide open in the far flat and then rumbles down to the 30 yard line gain of 23 yards rolling out right is Gardner Minshew he's at the five gonna take off and run makes a man miss and knights his way into the end zone touchdown Minshew turns no it's play action throws over the middle wide open Mo Alley Cox he's at the 30 the 25 and then it's pushed forward down to the 20 yard line making more at the 19 for a gain of 30 yards looking for a touchdown here 745 to go in the fourth quarter the Colts lead by three and she goes out of the gun. Ball between the hash marks. Gives it to Taylor. And he backpedals his way in. Touchdown! Jonathan Taylor. And here is a mega, a monstrous, an enormous third down and three coming up for the Tampa yeah, Bay Buccaneers. And, and they, they got two downs to get it. So, Shotgun snap for Mayfield. In the pocket. The ball is stripped. The ball is Ebu out. Khan. Around the 38-yard Ebu line. Khan. No signal yet. Colts ball! It's Colts ball with a recovery by Dio and a strip sack by Samson Abacom. It's huge, you know. I mean, I think from here on out, we're, we're kind of in that playoff mentality. Uh, we have everything we want in front of us, but we just got to take it one game at a time. I think it's big. Obviously, playing your best football in November and December to give yourself a chance there to get in, it's huge. But we got to take it one game at a time. And obviously, going, you know, having a division opponent on the road with Tennessee coming up, I uh, got a lot of respect for them. But we got to prepare the right way uh, and be ready to go. All right, the sights and sounds of a Sunday. We wake up on this Monday after a Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. You're all dreary-eyed dreary walking into work today, but you walk in with the Indianapolis Colts. Right now, if the playoffs started, they would be in. Welcome. Hey, good morning to you. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. We got you all the way until... Until 10 o'clock, 239, 1070. You want to hop in on any of the discussion? Uh, Indiana basketball winners, Tom Allen fired the Colts winners. Purdue wins Maui. How about that? Going back to last week, a ton to cover this morning. But right now, the big story if it were to start today, which it doesn't, six games to go, the Colts, the seven seed, not something you'd be thinking we'd be talking about after Thanksgiving. Good morning. You know, good morning to you, Andy. Good morning to Mark. And I uh, hope uh, echo what you just said. Hope Everybody had a great and safe Thanksgiving out there. Uh, you know, when Friday rolls around, Andy, it'll be December 1st, and we'll talk about the Colts and Titans in week, what is it, 13, I guess. And when that 
month of December is here. We're talking about a Colts team above 500. Like that maybe stands out to me more than they're in the playoff. You know, sure. okay, yeah, they they are in that seventh. They've won a game and, at home. How about that? You know, obviously, you just look at okay. If Jake Elliott misses a 59 yard field goal yesterday, then Buffalo has that seventh playoff spot. But for me, it's more of the record. It's more of six and five. And I, I found it so fitting. And that was the first time I've heard the uh, intro that Mark Dykton. Uh, produces every single Monday here after a Colts game. That was the first time that I had heard it, and I feel like the song Taking Care of Business is so (laughs) apropos for the Colts. I mean, Andy, it hasn't been the cleanest, prettiest. You're not leading off Sunday night football highlights. Peter King's Monday morning quarterback column barely has a mention of the Colts, but they're just doing what they need to do, and that's taking care of teams that show up on their schedule. Doesn't have to be the prettiest output. There's no pictures on the scorecard. You're 6-5. and five. You're going to enter December above 500, and you are, you're creating playoff hope. Teams are helping you create that as well, but you're doing your part, and I thought no bigger play yesterday than Rick Venturi mentioning several times there. It was indeed Samson Ebukam with the close, with slam the door shut type of play. Uh, monumental, and really capped quite the entertaining uh, handful of sports days that we've had since we last spoke. Are you tired today? Do you, are you supposed to be refreshed after days off from work and a long weekend? Is anyone refreshed or is everyone tired and dreary-eyed going into work this morning? The weather does not help. <laughs> the weather doesn't help. It's freezing, by the way, well, on this and Monday then two morning. things happen to, like, to, you know, it's a great weekend. I hope everyone had, you know, a great time. Family, friends, football, basketball, and everything else. If you're an Indiana football fan, we'll dive into Tom Allen, Purdue basketball. So damn good in Maui. We can dive into probably a little bit of that. Uh, Pacers over the weekend. So much to do and we'll obviously talk a bunch of Colts. 2, 3, 9, 10, 70 but two things happen. You know fourth, about 440 or so IU tipped off and I'm like what a sleepy terrible. Is that a terrible time to have a basketball game is what I was thinking if you're an Indiana fan just because it's so tired and then we turn you tu- then you turn on the TV last night and we have Jason Garrett to end our uh, to end our Thanksgiving weekend KB. Not the way we wanted to go. Not was the Collinsworth- way. Alive? I, I, I don't know. Jack was there, uh, but Chris was not there. They so. said he was spending time with his family, and Jack Collinsworth is there. So what does <laughs> that tell you? Right Honestly, there. I'd probably want to stay away from Jack as much as possible, but I, too, if I were Chris I, I mean, just for me, the Colts, and we talked about it back when they were 3-5. and five. We said, hey, there's two winnable games here. You're not playing good football. At that point, the quarterback position in Gardner Minshew, who we can get to this morning, was you know kind of leaking oil. And it's like, well, can you get to 5-5 five and five and then hit that bye week? You know, I, I kind of named it Operation 5-5, five and five, get there. Beat the Panthers. They stink. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised this morning if I look up on one of these TVs above you, Kevin, and, and Frank Reich's fired. He or Brandon Staley sure. uh, would not surprise me whatsoever. And so, you know, you're watching that. Okay, you win that game. It's ugly. It's the Kenny Moore game. He's the defensive, you know, AFC player of the week and everything else. And then you go, and it, it ain't easy. Uh, but you beat a bad Patriots team. You get to 5-5. Five and five, And then Shane Steichen and his coaching staff completely out coach the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I think you know a big 
takeaway is Steichen. I know a lot of the columnists and everything else have written that, and we've talked about it. That's a big picture, but in the small picture, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, now these final six weeks, you get to play for something, and that means something for this organization. It means something for a rookie head coach. It means something for a young team that this season, whether AR was injured or not, but then go back to that injury, this season could have been something different, and and it, and it hasn't been. It, it's been a winning season. It's been a let's create hope season, not only for this year, but for me, for other years. And when you see some of these young defensive players, uh, maybe guys getting more snaps, we'll get to the Shaq Leonard stuff. It was weird that he was there. Um, but man, I tell you what, making Baker Mayfield feel that pressure, the quarterback pressures, the quarterback hits, the sacks, ending the game, the ballsiness from Steichen with which I know we can get into uh, as well. Boy, the Colts did what they needed to do. They've won three straight. I, I mean, there's no reason why that, ga- that can't be a close game in Nashville on Sunday. No reason. Well, I would hope, yeah. I mean, Colts are actually a slight favorite <coughs> opening up uh, here in Week 13. Um yeah, first three-game win streak since last uh, December 2021. you got to go back, obviously, a full year after just winning four games last year. Um, so many things I think you point to game-wise. And Ronnie Harrison Jr., one of the early heroes of that one. Just a wild story. I, I, I'll be totally honest. I thought it was extremely odd initially, the Shaquille Leonard tribute video. I was like, what is going on here? He's in the building? Um, and then I, I quickly was like, wow, that was that. that's a pretty cool moment that, like, you can have that, and both parties can kind of put whatever differences clearly um, is at play here, and you can have that. And then fittingly, weirdly, ironically, everyone described that Ronnie Harrison makes the play that Shaq Leonard hasn't made right. in you know so many games. Um, so he's going to join us coming up here at 9.30. Zach Osterman, by the way, from the Star. We'll talk Tom Allen and that firing and where IU goes from here in just a second. Um, but I, I, I go back to the close of it, Andy, because you and I talked about this after that Browns game where you had moments to slam the door shut. And if you go back to last season, whether it was the Eagles driving late on you, whether it was the Commanders driving late on you, whether it was the Texans driving late on you, the inability to have games at in your own building, sitting on a platter, and then fumbling it away has happened far too often for the Indianapolis Colts. And yesterday, sure enough, Tampa gets a crack at it. They're down seven. It's, whatever, 220 on the clock, and they get that initial first down, and I think there's just that moment of like, oh boy, here it goes again. And Samson Ebukam absolutely whips one of the best left tackles in all of football Mm -hmm. in Tristan Wirfs. He comes up with the strip sack, Dio Dangbo, Johnny on the spot, and that is how you finish. That's how you make a fourth quarter play. You don't let the other team kind of whatever, give you it, or they make the mistake, you go take it. And I thought that play has been missing for this franchise for so often. And it's why this team, a big reason why this team, has only won one of their last ten home games before yesterday. So I just thought that Ebucon play was Mariano Rivera-like, close it out, um, you know, seal that victory. Don't let more game pressure get put onto your defense like it has so often there. Yeah, you can point to different things. Obviously, the fourth and inches play call 
to Mo Ali Cox. I thought the duo of Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss mm-hmm. looked spry, looked you know fresh, yeah, fresh. Yeah. Um, they were outstanding against a very good run it was, defense. It was a good mix. It's been lopsided the last what three weeks or so. Yeah, yeah we can admit that it's been lopsided. Yeah, it, it was much more of a mix. Um, and sure, I mean there is def- again, it definitely was not you know outright sixty minutes. Pretty gold standard Gardner Minshew. You continue to overcome him. Uh, the run defense without. Grover Stewart, you know, thank the Lord it's only one more game for the Colts, albeit it'll come against Derrick Henry, but his absence continues to be felt. And who knows, if Baker doesn't get hurt, I, I don't know, if Tampa punches that in, goes up 7 nothing, is it a totally different game? Who knows, but at the end of the day, you are 6-5, and five and you continue to create playoff hope. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned just the just being six and five and what that means and over five hundred going into December a road game uh, against the Titans in the AFC South and everything else. Uh, I, I I think yesterday was a mixed bag for the Colts. I mean, obviously getting the win is what mattered the most. You would I mean the Bills lost, the Broncos did win, the Texans lost. I thought they were going to end up coming back and winning again. You know when C.J. Stroud has the ball there, they're trying to kick long field goals. Uh, I, I thought you saw Cincinnati be put out of their misery. And quite frankly, I think you saw the Browns be put out of their misery yesterday. I, I know you may think that's, and, ah, they got the defense, Andy, and everything else. They have, uh, is it DTR? Is that, what he, is, that, is that what he goes by? Is it DTR, their quarterback? I mean, do you see the hit on him? Do you see the hit on him? I, I did not, no. Oh, dude, he got absolutely crushed. <laughs> this poor guy. Philip Walker came back in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. P.J. Walker had to come back in, and Miles Garrett is going to miss extended time. Miles Garrett was in a sling. I believe his left arm, left shoulder, left elbow. He's in a sling. So I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, this is what we're talking about now around this team is what else is going on in the NFL? And I think the Browns are massively compromised even more at the quarterback position. Position, Miles Garrett being injured, the Texans back down to earth. I mean, I think the Bills are right s- sitting right on the edge of of not making it. I mean, I saw you saw that leading by two scores in the second half against Philadelphia. But you know, I was I didn't know how this team, this Colts team, was going to react. On Sunday, I didn't. I picked them to win. I almost nailed the score. I think we all did, except well, Mark didn't. I, Mark took the bucks. It's okay, Mark. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect. I thought about Never flip, I thought it. about flip flopping them uh, as well. And, and you're right. Listen, there's some negative here. I thought they got away from JT a little bit. I thought, you know, I think Steichen feels like listening to Venturi a lot. I, I think Steichen feels like I got to throw myself out of these big defenses, right? These defenses are just yeah. sitting on us on the line of scrimmage. He doesn't really I've play got, to maybe his team's yeah, strengths. He says, okay, what do they yeah, do well? And let's, it, let's try and counter yeah, yeah, that. I think he feels like he has to do that. And maybe he did that enough to open up the running game. I thought there were four or five runs where Jonathan Taylor looked fantastic. It made something out of not very much. And I don't know. You wake up today. You're done with Thanksgiving. Christmas is on the horizon. And if you're a Colts fan, you're playing December football that absolutely matters. And you look at the Tennessee Titans. I mean, I know they won and they outlasted Carolina. I shouldn't use that as a double standard because you know they won by seven. It wasn't like the Colts did some some you know great feat. But I mean, Will Levis hasn't done anything the last two or three games. I uh, yeah, Will Levis hasn't done very much. He's had a QBR of like thirty eight. So I, You're I mean, still listen, drinking coffee and mayo on Friday. I, I guess we'll do that on Friday. I have no problem. Let's do it. I mean, listen, Colts are playing games that matter in, in December. I'll drink some damn coffee with mayo. Let's go again. Ronnie Harrison go. Jr. at at 9.30, we will talk IU football coming up at 9.05. The firing of Tom Allen officially announced late yesterday morning. Um, credit 
to the IU administration, and obviously credit to some financial backers, to say the least. But, Andy, you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. And bringing back Tom Allen in an expanded Big Ten would have done that. Uh, never heard a negative thing about Tom Allen as a human, to be honest with you. I know certainly we've poked fun at a snapping of the fingers, the glee club, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. That moment after the Wisconsin win a few years ago during the COVID season, that, that will probably be kind of a lasting Tom Allen memory of you know his players mobbing him on the field after that win. And um, I do think there was a buy-in, certainly in that season, you know, when, you know, obviously those guys' lives really and everyone's lives were, were uh, flipped upside down there. But at the end of the day, the lack of any sort of competence on offense, um, I think, is what I would point to of the downfall and the failure of the Tom Allen era, just an inconsistency to retain on that side of the ball. Um, and, and that's why I think an offensive minded head coach needs to be the move here. Uh, and Tom Allen said in a statement yesterday and made it very clear. Um, about the financial backing from an NIL standpoint. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like now for Indiana as they make this next hire? But I had major questions whether they would actually pull the trigger on this. Um, well, it, we were talking about it. We were texting about it. Do you care it. enough about <laughs> IU football? Do they care enough? Do Are there people yeah. out there that care enough? And clearly... All great questions. There is enough. And if you're going to play in the Big Ten and you want to seat at that table... You better, you know, go ahead and and, and do that because uh, we've seen in conference realignment the cutting of fat happens. So, uh, very very interested to see where IU turns from here. I tend to think they need to ignite something. They need to draw headlines. They need to. I don't say this hardly at all, Andy, but I think winning the press conference actually matters here. Oh, we know who you want. Tell the people. And, and I know I, who you want. I tweeted out Saturday and got yeah. a lot of pushback from it. But I think a guy like Antoine Randall. Uh, makes sense to me. A guy that's on Dan Campbell's staff right now, and I get it. You know, he's got very little to no experience in college football. But to me, when you talk about NIL and you talk about drawing interest to your program and what the next wave of financial backers looks like at Indiana University, that age group, Andy, falls in line to when Antoine Randall had that program at its, I guess, height in the last 25 years, certainly entertainment height. Sure. Over the last 25 to 30 years. Uh, I don't think there's any perfect answer, to be clear, for Indiana football. But I look at it and say, why not try something outside the box? Why not do something that is a little bit different and not just hire Mac coach, Paul Christ, you know, insert whoever you want to hear of a former head coach or a current Mac head coach and just kind of be run of the mill. And then you get to August next year and you're like, wait, who's Indiana's football coach again? Right. And you do the same thing in three or four years. And you just kind of get lost in the shuffle with it. It might blow up in your face, but it's Indiana football. You've been the laughing sock of college football for the last X amount of years, why not do something a little bit outside of the norm? Well, you ask if people care, and that's obviously a question that we can get to, but for me, it's, it's you know, and I'll ask Zach Osterman, like, what are they? What are they, what are they trying to be? It feels like, and I know Zach wrote about this and others have, it feels like to me they're like half pregnant, KB, and you know this following a Notre Dame team, right? Like, you understand it. Like, like it's, yes, we'll pay the head coach, We'll pay the big salary to the head coach, and we will pay these enormous buyouts, but we're not going to pay assistant coaches quite that right, much, right, right. and we're going to redo the stadium, but we're talking, I mean... We're There's just, a lot of boxes just, to yeah, check. Just the fact that we're talking about, well, they need to be better at NIL, I mean, you're, you're two years behind 
if if we're t- I mean we're t- I, I did these in other markets I've done these conversations guys you are two years behind if Tom Allen is is, is talking about NIL if football NIL is not ready to go going into 2024 what literally have you been doing and so in some ways Indiana wants to they have all this Big Ten money right they have all this TV money they have all this conference money so they want to play the big boy game some. But if you're going to be half pregnant in college football, you're going to be three and nine. I mean, that's just what it's going to well, be. And, and you're just going to get your head beat in. You're not going to be a bowl team. You're not going to be anything that matters. And we'll continue touching this throughout the show. But to me, it is just so embarrassing and pathetic as an athletic department in a football program that you can't even be Rutgers or Maryland. Yeah. Like Rutgers and Maryland are in your division. Like you, so I, I don't want to hear any Big Ten East, Big Ten West debate. You can schedule six just wins. Be, well, and Maryland yeah. and Rutgers, they actually yeah. win Big Ten sure, games. Sure. Like, just get to that. That should be an attainable, acceptable level of football. And because I hear so often, well, you know, the, the cards are stacked against us because look at the division that we're in, blah, blah, blah. Okay. The division is very difficult. Why can't you be Rutgers or Maryland? That's fine. You you want to leave the I, that's a, because if you get to that, leave the Big Ten. Then if you get to that point as an athletic program, now all of a sudden you are sitting a little bit more at the table, and financially you are trying to fill up Memorial Stadium a little bit more than you are, and the backing is going to rise um, with that. And, and again, I go back to this. Bad and boring. That is yeah. such a dangerous combination right. in college football you're right. when you're playing on Saturday afternoons and you're trying to fill that stadium. They've got to find more of a jolt offensively, even if it's not perfect, even if it's only whatever, five or six wins that they're capping out at. Just create an offensive product that is a little bit more attractive. Uh, and I guess win, win the bucket back if you can as for after Purdue. That was a hell of an effort, by the way, by Hudson Card and playing in that game. That's your guy. You and, love Hudson uh, Card. I, I do. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't see that dual threat nature, but Purdue <laughs> does retain the bucket there as Ryan Walters' first season four wins. Imagine having the over-under of Indiana three and a half wins uh, come down to that last drive. Uh, that was the season over-under for Indiana. And they do not eclipse it there yeah. with Tom Allen being fired. How many people listening were buying into the uh, to the IU football over? That's what I would love to know. The percentage of bets taken on that. We appreciate all audience members, Whoa. degenerate or yes, not, here on this Monday morning. Thank you for spending it with us. Again, it is chilly. We will get to Zach Osterman from the Star. He was all over it yesterday. He's got some candidate lists to throw out there uh, in terms of uh, where Indiana will go here in the post-Tom Allen era. It's the first outside of the building head coach search, if you will, since Kevin Wilson was hired over a decade ago. And again, Ronnie Harrison Jr., after his interception yesterday, he's going to join us coming up at 9.30. Thanks for spending this Monday morning with us. It's the Wake Up Call, KB and Andy. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, morning check down. 27-20 winners are the Indianapolis Colts. Were the Colts yesterday? Gardner Minshew, 251. Didn't have a touchdown. Did throw a pick. Running game got going. Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, both up over six yards per carry. KB mentioning uh, mentioned it earlier. Finishing games defensively and running the football. Here's Shane Steich in postgame. Anytime you have an opportunity to go end it, whether it's on offense or defense, you know, you get the strip sack fumble right there. Samson uh, getting that done. 
uh, and then getting the recovery. And then obviously on the flip side of finishing the game out in a four-minute situation, you know, they got three timeouts. We got to get a first down, you know, to end the game. And obviously staying in bounds, good job by JT getting the first and going down uh, to end it was huge. You know, Andy, I thought that was the best Taylor's looked all year. Uh, 15 for 91. I, I know that might not, you know, show up on a oh greatest Taylor game of all time, but I thought he looked – um, like his old self, Zach Moss, also over six yards per carry. Um, I mean, those are eye-popping numbers from Taylor and Moss when you talk about facing the Todd Bulls defense, doing it without Ryan Kelly in the center of your line as well. So 6-5, and five, you got the help that you needed with Buffalo, losing just a wild one in Philadelphia yesterday. And now you'll be on the road for back-to-back. It'll be at Tennessee and at Cincinnati. And if you look at these final six games... I'm circling three of them, okay? Okay. At Cincy. See what we got here. Home to Pittsburgh. Okay. And then the season finale, home to Houston. Is that because those teams are you around you? two of those three, okay. I think that'll be enough. You think so? Okay. Now, you think they beat Tennessee then? That That's like, hey, you're going to take care of business against Tennessee. These other games are more 50-50. Is that, is that the well, way you're I, thinking? Those are just the three teams that are just right there with you in the wild card picture. And if you're able to establish head-to-head tiebreakers over those three, or two of the three, then I think that goes a long, long way in securing one of those wild card spots. Again, yesterday, Jacksonville beats Houston, so they continue to be in the driver's seat for the AFC South. All right, tonight over Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it'll be the Pacers uh, back in action against the Portland Trailblazers. I forgot that Malcolm Brogdon was a Mm. member of the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, The Pacers are favored by (laughs) 12 and a half. That is a large number. How many teams has he played for, by the way? I need to look that up. I feel like he's played for six teams at least. Has it been that that many? I'm I'm set it at maybe four, four or five. Uh, Portland, if you look at it, uh, yesterday they blew one in Milwaukee. They got outscored 33 to 14 in the fourth quarter. They have really struggled here as of late. Aaron Neesmith sounds like he could be back with that sprained wrist right injury that he has missed. And if you look back to last week, last time we spoke, uh, the Pacers clinched that number one seed in their group for the in-season tournament. So that means, and we'll find this out later in the week, that means coming up either next Tuesday or Wednesday, they will host a quarterfinal game for the in-season tournament on national television. Again, we still have a few in-season tournament games to play out around the league, so we'll find out exactly who that opponent will be here later this week. Uh, but the Pacers now 9-6 and six on the season, uh, and they have a six-game road trip coming up after tomorrow night or tonight's game with Portland. Yeah, a couple IU items uh, worth mentioning. Tom Allen obviously getting fired yesterday, adapting to a new world, NIL and everything else. That's going to be a huge conversation. Now, here's Tom Allen. This is before he got fired, but I just his voice sounds amazing. Take a listen. You know, there's just a reality of, of how things oh, have changed, geez. you know, in the world. <laughs> the world that we're in now um you know obviously saw you mentioned the back-to-back january bowl games and then the, the three years have fallen short um and um, you know we gotta we gotta do a great job of adapting uh, to the new world that we're in because it's totally different you know uh, it's it's changed dramatically in the last couple of years it sounds like he's in witness protection so, uh, or he can't wake the kids to, up you know, after like thanksgiving dinner aggressively he sounds like they altered his voice um, the, the reality what's what's it has become you know and it's a different world now 
You got to take that 15 and a half million and just somehow get the voice box getting back to Can full I ask you something about forward. Tom Allen? Yes. What I think he's getting his money sooner. Why did he why did he give up 5 million dollars? I believe that right there. More of it up front, right? Uh, that's a question I do have for Zach Osprey coming still, up at, at at 9 o'clock here. I, I don't know if there's some sort of legal if you take a new job, there you lose some of that buyout sure, money. That might be uh, it. But I, I don't know if that is in the cards. So again, Zach Osprey going to join us coming up here at 9 o'clock. By the way, that probably didn't help us. Purdue does win the old Oak and Bucket 35-31. Two very bad football teams against each other. Hudson Card, 275 through the air, 85 rushing as Purdue wins that one. Speaking of the Boilers, last time we talked, Andy, they were getting ready for the championship game in Maui. What a run it was through the Maui invite. They beat Marquette in the title game. I tweeted this out Wednesday night. What is impressive to me, Andy, is how they won each of those games over Gonzaga, Tennessee, Marquette in different ways. You know, Fletcher Lawyer really struggles in the opener. Last year, you don't overcome that. You win that game. Uh, the second game, Zach Eady's in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. That's something we didn't see happen last season. And then Lawyer season. plays well, right? You you overcome that. And then they win a shootout. You know, it was kind of a rock fight in that Tennessee game. Then they win a bit of a shootout against Marquette. They will be ranked number one in the land they should today. Be. Did you see that stat from Purdue? I, I found this just astonishing. Uh, when Purdue gets that number one ranking later today, they will be the first team in the history of the Big Ten Conference to be ranked number one in three straight seasons. Do they enter 2024 with a loss? They have uh, Iowa, Arizona, Alabama, the big one, and, right? and Arizona. Yeah, they have Arizona on the 16th. So Alabama, Arizona, and Iowa. That's what I'm asking. Do, do they win all three of those games? Do they enter 2024 undefeated? I think they do. I will say they lose one. Okay. Yeah. Arizona would probably be the one. Alabama's like what, kind of top 20-ish team, something like that? 17. I haven't seen Alabama in all. I mean, I've seen their players. I haven't seen the rendition this season, obviously. And again, we will get started with Big Ten play here later this week. As Andy mentioned, uh, Purdue and Northwestern, right? That's the early Big Ten one. And then Indiana-Maryland coming up on Friday. Indiana, by the way, 89-76 over Harvard yesterday. You know, in all, I know, obviously, they're down at halftime. It wasn't perfect by any means for Indiana. I've been really impressed with Cleo Ware. Really impressed by him. Twelve of thirteen from the field yesterday. Like for the motor questions and the you know is he going to get to this level of you know his five star talent, et cetera, et cetera. He has been very good to me here uh, through the first well, amount of games. And Baco was good. He didn't get benched. He he you know was in for thirty one minutes. He didn't get benched. Uh, you know, well we've said if you're going to be a big team, go be a big team. And Renew and Baco and Ware were all three good. And you know if you're Indiana, right? And now is it, that good because you're playing a mid major well, or yeah? I, I didn't think they would cover the seven and half eight points so for them to win by 13 I thought was a fine performance but nothing matters uh we'll ask Zach I doubt he'll know too much but the Xavier Johnson left foot injury kind of I hate to say this is kind of the only thing I care about coming from that game because you know they don't have a margin for error at guard especially Xavier Johnson they just don't I agree but then I also didn't think you just played your best half of the season without him fair point Malcolm Brogdon by the way does that kind of define Xavier Johnson who he is Kind of does. Uh, what'd you say, Mark, about Brogdon? Uh, four teams. Four teams. The yeah. Bucks, Pacers, Celtics, Blazers. 
Uh, shout out to our six state championship teams. That would be Lutheran, Chittard, Fort Wayne, Snyder on Friday night. And then on Saturday, it was Bishop Lures, East Central, and the Giants of Ben Davis representing Wayne Township in that 6A championship game over at Lucas Oil Stadium. The entertainment factor with those games, pretty much non-existent. A lot of blowouts in all of them. So uh, the football season is over here. <laughs> Hope he's paying your $20. The high school. <laughs> Yeah, twenty five point margin was the average margin of victory. Did you guys have a party for Chittard winning or anything? Was game. there? Uh, my in laws were very pleased. Okay, about that. good. Well, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that they were happy. Yeah. And who did you guys take in your eliminator pick yesterday? Oh, we were out the previous week because mm-hmm. we we rubbed oh, that's the same right. how. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, way way to bring up the Sorry. sensitive subjects. Yeah. How did that go at Thanksgiving? <laughs> Across dinner? the Thanksgiving table there. Pass uh, the cranberries. Just the, go talk politics, I guess. The Colts are six and five. Who would have thought that? As we enter the month of December, we'll get back into that conversation. Next. Couple different reminders. Ronnie Harrison Jr. going to join us coming up at 9 30. Zach Osterman from the Star will join us coming up at 9 o'clock. We'll talk some Tom Allen stuff with him. KB, before we, we dive back into the Colts again, 27 20 winners yesterday, finally getting a win. Second one of the year. How about that in Lucas Oil? Just a couple random observations. And I know we mentioned one of these before the show off air. I just never can get enough on how jacked up Adam Vinatieri is. No oh boy. I, I just, yeah. uh-huh. I just, and I don't even know, like. I thought he was going to bust out of that medium. Well, I rocking. thought he was going to let us see the guns, quite frankly. I mean, I didn't like that he had everything covered up, but I mean, the other thing is. You had a lot like, of Jumbotron action yesterday inside of Lucas Oil. I just, I, I'm, when I, yes, which we could get to, when I'm thinking of Adam Vinatieri, I'm like, I don't even know what other kickers are jacked. Like he is. Like, I don't know if I could name a second one. And if I could, I sure as hell know I can't name a third one uh, of jacked kickers. So that's number Sebastian one. Sebastian Janikowski jacked Well, in my yeah, eyes. That, that's a different look. And then uh, I, you were at the game. Were you at the game? I guess yes, I sir. should ask. Uh-huh. Okay, so you were at the game, so you did not see this. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you saw it. In the second quarter, did you see the woman hold the sign up? Surprise, I'm pregnant. Did you happen to see that oh, as no, well? No, we were at the game. I didn't see oh, that Oh, you were one. at the game as yeah. well? Well, Archuleta, and then they couldn't figure out if she was telling her husband or if she was like telling her family that was there, okay. surprise, I'm or, pregnant. Or maybe telling a player, surprise. <laughs> remember me from after last game? You remember That's training it. camp? <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, but I guess I should have thought of it that way. So so that happened as well. And then one other thing, and you mentioned it, it is cool that they can do it. I've never seen what happened with Shaq Leonard happen no, I, in I, sports in my entire life. I have not. And again, initially... I thought it was a little odd and awkward. Like I, I will be totally honest with you. I, didn't, that was I was like, my, "Why the hell is he here?" That was my first thought, and then you know, as it started to kind of play out, I'm like, "Okay, this is pretty cool that like he does get that moment." You know, because a lot mm-hmm. of guys don't get that moment. And, and I don't know. Maybe I'm being too sentimental with that. Uh, I mean, hell, Andrew Luck's never been back to receive any sort of sure. moment. Um, you don't see it. I, I've, I mean, I've never even seen a tribute video five days after the dude gets cut, let alone he's in the building to react to it. Um, and then how fitting was it, Andy, that Ronnie Harrison Jr., on that very next drive, he makes the interception on a play that just looked so Shaq Leonard Prime-like of great extension. It was a really nice grab he made. It was a dumb decision by Baker Mayfield, but a really nice catch by Ronnie Harrison. And you know, I, I feel this after every kind of Colts win. You know, I think 
our listening audience will kind of know the trend. You know, after a Colts win, we like to try and get a player on our show, and the Colts have been very gracious in, in granting us that. And I thought to myself yesterday after the win, okay, who would make sense mm-hmm. for it? And I'm like, you know what? The Ronnie Harrison Jr. story is a pretty good one. And for those unfamiliar with it, Ronnie Harrison, a former third-round pick, a safety at Alabama, um, his career bounced around in Cleveland and Jacksonville. Actually, was Baker Mayfield's teammate at one point. Uh, did not work out. And this offseason, he had very, very little interest in him. And it's not like he's like a 31-year-old absolute a young bust guy. of a safety. I mean, right. He started a lot of games in the NFL, um, but is still relatively young. The Colts bring him in. And that was back when the Colts you know, kind of had a little bit of a running trend in training camp of let's try some veteran safeties. Tease Tabor was another one they brought in. Uh, and Harrison doesn't make the team. They bring him back, though, early in the season to their practice squad. And this is, I think, first off, it's an open-minded approach by the Colts. And secondly, it's a reminder of where the NFL game is going. The Colts say to Ronnie Harrison, hey, man, you ever thought about playing linebacker? That's how today's NFL kind of is. The linebackers look like old safeties. Shaq Leonard was one of them. Sure, I mean, he played, right? you know, 215 soaking wet. Um, and so Harrison Jr. says, okay, I will try that. And when they cut Shaq Leonard on Tuesday, they brought up Harrison Jr. from the practice squad. EJ Speed, again, saw his playing time skyrocket. That was the expectation. But in that third linebacker role, he wasn't used very often, but it was Ronnie Harrison Jr., out there. He makes the interception. It leads to seven points. And again, maybe this is too harsh after the sentimental praise of the tribute video and Shaq Leonard on the Jumbotron, but Andy, that play is what Shaq Leonard hasn't even sniffed all season long. And Ronnie Harrison Jr. makes it, and what do you do with it? You turn into seven points. I found it like, it was like a movie script, watching that whole five, ten minute sequence play out. The only other thing that I could think, remember earlier in the year when Chris Jones was sitting between two goons that were probably his agent or something. Remember when he was sitting but remember <laughs> there were they, some mafia boys, me, right? Yeah, remember they were in Arrowhead and he was just chilling like Chris Jones and he wasn't, you know, he was holding out and, you know, still not getting his money and then shortly after he got his money but they showed Shaq Leonard and what's crazy about it wasn't like, oh, he's 36 and he was at the end of his career and you kind of understood you were going to move to the, to the young buck, if you will. You were going to go to EJ Speed. That wasn't the case. He had no idea he was getting cut on that Tuesday. It's last Tuesday, wasn't it? Sure. Six uh-huh. days yep. ago. He had no idea. So it wasn't like, okay, we sat down and we realized I can go elsewhere and and, and and they'll move on to speed and other players, younger guys, cheaper guys, whatever it may be. It was like, no, you got cut surprisingly and I you know, I guess he's handled it with grace and that ends up, you know, him being, you know, getting the stand, you know, getting the ovation, which is fantastic. But I, I've never seen out. it. He tweeted out after the Harrison pick, you know, shout out to Ronnie. He's been balling out on the practice hey, squad. Good for him. Et cetera, et cetera. And yesterday, if you want to talk Colts defense, Andy, it was by no means a perfect game. I mean, Tampa had the worst rushing offense in the NFL, and they gassed you for 6.6 per carry. That is a huge number, and you're going to miss Grover Stewart for one more game. But the play by Harrison and then the play there by Samson Ebicom to close out the game, that is what has been missing, uh, particularly the Ebicom play. And I, I've really tried to harp on this in the Colts being such a poor team at home over the last calendar year, 
their defense has had opportunities to slam the door shut. You come out of the bullpen, you've got a lead, you need to go get three outs. Can you do that? And that time is so opportunistic for defensive linemen. You know that that they're throwing. You can pin your ears back. You can get after the quarterback. You don't really need to be super disciplined and play in the run, et cetera, et cetera. And Ebukam makes that play against an elite left tackle, gets a strip on a third down, and Dio Dangbo pounces on it, and that's it. And whether it was the Cleveland game a month ago, which obviously you had some poor officiating as well, hinder you on that drive, but you still let P.J. Walker, what, drive 60-some yards before you even got to questionable officiating you go back to last year what davis mills did to you what jalen hurts did to you what taylor heineke did to you uh, there was another moment right there that tampa could have driven down the field and yeah who knows maybe they go for two force the game in overtime who knows what would have happened there and samson Ebukam makes the play to slam the door shut. You know, besides Mike Evans, we've always talked about letting guys, and we go back to maybe the Rams game. You kind of said this a couple different times that you can't let you can't let these superstars just ruin things, right? And, and to a certain extent, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett are three that immediately come to mind. Puka Nakua had such a big game. I, I know I'm going back earlier in the season, but you let kind of you know these guys kind of ruin you. And Mike Evans. Was really good, and Mike Evans, you know, off yeah, the air we were talking, wide and he was wide times. open. I, I just, I, I'm a huge Mike Evans fan, but that's besides the point. Uh, you know, I know they, I know the Bucks ran the the ball better than you would have wanted them to, but this defense getting nine hits on the quarterback, right, and getting six sacks and making Baker Mayfield uncomfortable. Sacking him, especially tur- after the injury. Yeah, turning, yeah, turning him over, knocking him down to where it's tough for him to get up. And and we've seen this with the Gardner Minshew stuff, KB. That at least put it in Minch or uh, Mayfield's mind that that this defensive front is going to be able to get home on some of these. We have seen games where they just do not get home consistently, and especially, especially in the fourth moments. quarter, yeah, especially yeah. at the very end. And the opposite, like to me, they won the game. That, that, that's the big picture. That matters the most. And they ran the ball well, and you know, we can get into Gardner Minshew. But making the quarterback feel uncomfortable matters, and it matters so much when you're facing substandard quarterbacks. And Will Levis is coming up. I saw a lot of Jake Browning. That's a college football quarterback. I mean, Jake Browning has every weapon at his disposal there in Cincinnati. Okay, I mean, Jamar Chase is playing. I know T. Higgins is not, but you know that that is an offense that is set up to score 30 points a game. Browning comes in. I know Pittsburgh's defense is solid. They score early. They don't score again. And so, you know, when it's Mahomes, when it's those sorts of guys, they can take that pressure and, and, and burn you. I thought we maybe Matthew Stafford could do that as well, but these these guys who are very average, middling, maybe backup quarterbacks, below average quarterbacks. If you get hits on them, if you get pressure on them, you're going to you're going to reap the benefits. And I think that's the thing that you hope carries to the Titans game on Sunday. Is well, that is six hits on the quarterback, nine hits on the quarterback. Yeah, and again, dictate to them. Like, don't let don't sit back and say, yeah, we'll wait for him to look like a rookie. We'll we'll, we'll wait for him to make. A mistake. No, no, no. You go out there and try to create those mistake-prone moments for a guy like that. And Andy, the reality is this: with that game closed yesterday, 
with the Colts beating the Bucks and beating Baker Mayfield, that's the best quarterback you're going to see until January, what, what is it, 9th? Is that the Houston game? Yeah, the Texans. Yeah, that's a very, that's the end of the season, is it not? It's the last January game of the year in Lucas I mean, Oil. Think yeah. about that. No, you're right. I mean, whether it's Will Levis on Sunday, Jake Browning the next week, Kenny Pickett the next week, who knows, I guess Desmond Ritter, then Aiden O'Connell. I mean, it, it is, it's wild to say this. But it is sitting on a platter for the Colts to make the playoffs. It like, re- given, uh, listen, I know. Given your schedule, and again, I know we exit yesterday. And what do we talk about last week? What, what Gardner Minshew do we see after the bye week? And by no means did I watch sixty minutes of football yesterday, and all of a sudden think Gardner Minshew is resurrected or is back to his normal self. You continue to overcome. His lackluster play, his poor play, everyone to describe it. He was fortunate not to be picked off a second time. Alec Pierce made a hell of a oh, play. He should have been yeah. on that pass breakup. Um, so that is where you do exit Sunday and say, "Well, I can't," or at least me personally, I can't commit to the Colts all of a sudden looking like whatever a legit. They're a team that can right. make the, because of quarterback win a game play. in the playoffs because of Gardner. But the schedule it calls for a team very capable. Of making the postseason. You, you took your wedding ring off. I'm getting nervous. I'm watching I, you I over just, there. Just, much, just just, put it on. I know, but my Don't finger's just too fat after Thanksgiving. <laughs> is, that, is that all the sodium you had over God, the last few days? all of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after the break, I, I want to hit on something you mentioned with Gardner Minshew that was funny. It happened organically on TV. And then I play blackjack. I don't know if you do. I don't know if you're a oh, gambler sure. in that. Okay. Yeah. I love blackjack. Um, Shane Sykin reminds me of a blackjack player in one respect. I want to dive into that as well. And we'll get back into Tom Allen. Being fired, toss one Andy's way, see if he's got a name or two here as the search in Bloomington gets underway. And Zach Osterman going to join us at 9 o'clock to talk more about that. Ronnie Harrison after his interception yesterday at 9 30. It is overcast, it is cold. Thanks for spending this Monday morning with us. It is the wake up call of KB and Andy. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, it's Titans week. You know what that means? The mail's going in the coffee on Friday. That's what that means, people. We're going to do this. We might as well go all the way. We're not going to be Indiana football. We're not going <laughs> to try to be half pregnant. Come on, the Colts are 6-5. We're going the entire way. The Colts are playing big games. We'll keep talking about that. As always, 8 o'clock hour, hanging out in the drivehubler.com studios. It's the wake-up call, 239-1070. We can take some of your calls as well. Before we dive back into Colts, there it is. Do you guys want the mail with lime, or do you want me to go regular? It, like, What do you want here? Regular is fine. You Put these right. orders in. I mean, I need to. I need to go to the grocery store, so I, I don't, don't mind think just it freaking matters. Yeah, it still curdles and get <laughs> chunky about three seconds after popping like in there. Chipotle flavored, maybe. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think here. it matters at all. There's all sorts of different flavors. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna tell you guys. Did you see the ludicrous was hanging from the rafters? I did see that? And, Boy, uh, that was it, quite the is uh, rappe- video. Is it rappelled down? Is yeah. that the the, the technical like term? Uh huh. <laughs> The That's, Falcons won, right? Are yeah. they leading the NFC South? Uh, they are, yes. That's why it was Colts such a... Colts play them in less than a month. Yes, they do. Desmond Ritter. How about that? That's all the analysis I have. <laughs> Desmond know, I, Ritter. I said this open up the show. I feel like it's so fitting that Mark played taking care of business there for the opener, and, and we've you know heard that here each hour to open up the show because... Um, I, I think that's very apropos to the Colts showing up and seeing who's on their schedule and taking care of business. And, you know, the Colts are doing their part to create playoff hope. Three-game win streak, first time since December 2021. Shane Steichen, without Jonathan Taylor for a month, with several key offensive line injuries, having to deal with two different quarterbacks. Grover Stewart, six games. Grover Stewart, six games. Sure. 
and we're going to enter the month of December, and the Colts are over 500. I mean, again, I I, I thought seven wins. I didn't think six wins well, at this point well, of the year. Well, the like, secondary at times as well. It is still damn impressive what Shane Sykin has brought from a— and I think— in general, Andy, a new coach would have brought a bit of a, you know, whatever. Sure. Revived energy, and it, it's a fresh start. It's but it doesn't slate, always last. Et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't always last, and it's not a given. You know, it's not like every first-year head coach. Granted, D'Amico Ryan's in the same boat in Houston, but it's not like every first-year head coach has their team sitting where the Colts and the Texans currently sit right now, entering um, the final full month of the year. So, uh, yes, it has not been perfect, and... Um, you continue to play teams that, you know, I feel like the opposing coach is like on the hot seat, but at the same time, you play who shows up on your schedule. And they have taken care of business. They've beaten bad teams where there are teams out there that haven't taken care of bad teams on a weekend, week out basis. So credit to Shane Sykin uh, for having this team at six and five, considering everything that's gone around it and in a position to continue to create that playoff hope. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo's one of those teams that hasn't taken care of business. They got, like, the Jets without, I almost said Brett Favre, without Aaron Rodgers. Go ahead and hit your damn sounder. What's Brett Favre doing? Oh, I thought you were going <laughs> to give the Packers suck. By the way, the Packers with a win on Thursday. Knocking people out of Eliminator Leagues. That's what I'm talking about. That, that's what I needed. That's what I needed to happen on, on Thursday. Uh, let me ask you something. That, uh, just, just let me ask you. You two something. I, am, am I being, like, a... Like a raging homer here when I when I say this, like I, I just I like Shane Steichen. I, like he thoroughly outcoached Todd Bowles yesterday. Bowles runs that defense, and on fourth down we can get to the because uh, that's what I want to get to with some of the blackjack stuff that I teased earlier. Was just Shane Steichen like this season? This team doesn't have an immense amount of talent. And they've had, whether it be a guy like Shaq Leonard, who just was a shell of himself, Grover Stewart is a big deal, okay? Literally and figuratively, he's a big deal. And he misses six games. The offensive line has been in flux all season long, and I understand injuries happen to everybody. The defensive backfield has been in flux. He doesn't have Jonathan Taylor. The guy he starts in Deion Jackson gets gets boot. I mean, he's gone. He, he has such a bad week one that he gets cut. And you bring John. And then I also think that Steichen was a peacemaker I agree. in some of the Jonathan Taylor stuff. I agree. Uh, okay. I and think so- guys respect. The hell out of him. Yeah, and I just and I think I listen. I, I think he's in his bag sometimes. I think you saw that with Mo Alley Cox, and I know he, he gave credit to other coaches. And like I, I just for for me, one we talked about this season being about what questions is do you have left tackle figured out? Is you know is Jonathan Taylor going to get signed? What about that front seven? And we started with Quiddy Pay. It's been other guys, has it not? It's been and I know he had a sack yesterday, but it's it's been almost everyone but Quiddy Pay, but answering some of those questions, the biggest question that you got answered this season is your head coach. Because this season, you see it every week, that a team loses a couple games and then it's three and five and then it's three and six and then it's three and seven and then the season's over. And we're sitting here in November going into December, KB saying, well, you know, if Anthony Richardson wasn't this. I mean, I went through that entire soliloquy there and I didn't even mention Anthony, uh, I say Anthony Davis, Anthony Richardson and all of it. And 
I, I, you know, I mean, listen, they have had adversity thrown at them, and I don't know if they make the playoffs, but they're giving their fans something, and they're giving some sort of energy around the organization that I didn't think was going to be there heading into December, and that stuff matters. It yeah. does matter. I think it'll be the most encouraging thing we talk about exiting 2023 is Shane Steichen's presence. Um, you know, R- Richardson, you would think would be, you know, somewhat high on the list, but again, just the lack of reps is probably why I wouldn't put him necessarily above Shane Steichen, just because there is kind of that hanging cloud over him. Um, and I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle, so I want to go back to something that you snuck in there, but I think it's a key element of coaching, in particular when you are the head coach and you're managing a staff, N- not to mention you're managing, obviously, your entire 53-man roster, operation on game day, et cetera, et cetera. But the fourth and inches play to Mo Cox uh, was Zaire Franklin at fullback. That was a midweek suggestion by tight ends coach Tom Manning. Shane Steichen had no prior relationship to Tom Manning. Tom Manning actually was on Frank Reich's staff early on in his Colts tenure. Uh, Tom Manning then left the Colts as tight ends coach to go back to Iowa State. There he was Brock Purdy's offensive coordinator, among other things, and it was with Matt Campbell. And Shane, yes, he is this innovative play caller. He's aggressive. I think he's creative. I actually kind of liked the early tempo that they went with yesterday. I thought that was a nice thing to kind of try and offset Tampa a little bit there. Um, And you found some early success with it before Tampa kind of caught up to it. But Shane Steichen, while he oftentimes is easily the smartest offensive mind in a room, in that moment with Tom Manning, he's open-minded. He says to a guy that he has no prior relationship with, a guy that is his tight ends coach, and he says, oh, wow. That's a really good idea. Let's insert that. That That's something new. That's a wrinkle that... Um, oh, Zaire Franklin at fullback? Okay, <laughs> if we were to put a tight end at fullback there, that might make Devin White, for example, the Bucks linebacker, sit there for a second and think, guys, tight end right there, watch him in the flat. How many mm-hmm. times do you see sure. on a fourth and inches sure. a play action, but that tight end just leaks out in the flat and makes that play? The fact that it's a linebacker... That defense is going to think to themselves, that guy's in here to block. Zaire Franklin is a physical, you know, hard-nosed player. He is in here to block. And yet, that little wrinkle, and as a head coach and the play caller and the biggest offensive mind, you look to your staff during the week and you say, all right, anybody got any ideas? I like that idea. Let's insert it. That, to me, is just kind of a little thing in coaching that can go a long way. It can help out your other assistant coaches, it shows that you're open-minded, it shows that it's a collaborative effort, those sorts of things. I think that's a small element to what makes Shane Steichen, in my opinion, a coach that Colts fans should be very encouraged about moving forward. Fire that up, Mark. Here's Steichen post-game on that fourth down and one play. Put it in this week. Actually, our tight end coach, uh, Tommy, he uh, came to me with the idea when we were doing our short yardage meeting. And I said, shoot, that looks pretty good. That looks like a walk-in touchdown. We're, let's have that one up for sure. And he said, who we want at the fullback spot? We went back and forth. And I said, let's put Z in there at fullback. And uh, they gave us the look, and it worked. Okay, so when I heard that, you know what my mind went to? Who, who in that media room that you sit in, KB, I think, I think there needs to be an Indianapolis media. Uh, you know how kids like draw pictures or they color and they submit the picture to, you know, and you get like some prize, you know, maybe you do that at the fair or something like that. 
Would you like to submit plays to Shane Steichen on each? Uh, when does he speak? Today? Is it tomorrow? Uh, when Shane Steichen has his press conferences, we will help you. Me and Mark will help you. I heard a great you- story about uh, <laughs> Shane Steichen's kid. I think plays flag football in you know one of the suburban leagues. I don't I don't know if I should say which which one, but uh, the team was struggling to score. Uh, coach, play. Coaches are kind of looking at each other like, I mean, Shane's over here at practice. Should we at least ask him? Uh, so they asked Shane, uh, we can't score. You mind uh, inserting a little input here? <laughs> we can't score. Next thing you know, the flag football team's got 35 points oh, on the board. Oh, man, I love that. Don't I, you love that? Yeah, I mean, if you're Steichen, though, you can't How about be watching a guy that? working the Lily job and you're so happy to go coach <laughs> your kid's flag football team and you got to look across the uh, sideline, you see Shane Shane Steichen dialing up plays. And... You know, Steichen should have said, get the NIL money up. It's the same same thing that I use saying right now here was my tease and i and i've struggled with this okay i've struggled with this i you know in blackjack you're supposed to play by a set of rules if you if you hit on a specific you know the dealer showing something you're supposed to hit 100 percent of the time you're not supposed to go with your gut sure you're supposed mm-hmm. to if i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay if i'm gonna hit give me a card dealer you know give me give me a card dealer and it's supposed to be a hundred percent of the time and i struggle with that as someone who likes blackjack because i like to i like to feel like i, I have a feel of the table right i have a feel of the cards okay when i really probably don't you go with the odds and I know Joel A. Erickson wrote about this a little bit. That's 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 Shane Steichen. I mean, he is getting okay. It says I go for it here. I'm going for it here, and yeah, you know, I, almost I, it feels like every single time. Now, the one thing I struggled with yesterday was the fourth and six. And this is my question to you, because I thought at that point the game's twenty to ten. You're in the mid third quarter. You have a fourth and six. The ball's at the fifty. You know, it's a, or the forty. It's a fifty seven yard field goal. That's a, you know, that's that's asking a lot. I know it's indoors, but it is asking a lot. Um, and, and you you know, six yards is not two yards, right? That's not the tush push. It's not even you know one yard, three yards, and they end up the pressure comes up the middle, and Minshew gets rid of it. And even if it was a catch by, I think Downs, he wasn't going to get the first down. And I thought, I, I thought there could you not punt down to like the twelve yard line? I even tweeted that out. It's like right. could you not bat? You're up ten. Yeah, stamp you're up, to go full yeah, you're up ten. You're inside six minutes. No, it's actually you would have punted. You'd have been inside two minutes to go in the third quarter. So you know, essentially, you know, Tampa's going to have the ball at the very end of the quarter, and it doesn't have to be a great punt. Just don't punt in the end zone. Punt at the you know safe, the ten yard line, the eleven yard line. You back them up a little bit, uh, and you can let your defense that to that point had allowed just ten points in the game. And ultimately, that field position did turn into a touchdown for Tampa Bay. But I, I like, I guess that's what I'm saying is I like that Shane Steichen lives by this creed. And the Colts are going to, much like the Eagles, they are going to be the AFC version of the team that goes for it on fourth down. Yeah, I, It's I, how I feel. I think there's a little bit more of gut feel in that. And honestly, that might be me projecting a little bit. I think there should be gut feel married with here's my analytics book I'm walking into the game with on Sunday afternoon and I guess let me explain a little bit to continue the blackjack analogy Andy the deck of cards is the deck of cards it's always going to be the same deck of cards you play with in French Lick in Shelbyville in the region wherever you're going Anderson wherever you're going you know that's a deck of cards in a football game it changes every single play and by that I mean this Tampa walks into that game yesterday with their analytics chart and they're ready to go 
Well, what if Baker Mayfield would have been done for the game after that opening series? Sure. That analytics chart cannot right. be the same for Kyle Trask, Kyle Trask that it is for right. Baker Mayfield. And that's how I feel about the fourth and six to bring up. So if you would have punted in that situation, again, you're punting the ball to an offense that I think struggles to routinely move at whatever 80, 90 yards. But go back to 2009, fourth and two. Colts fans remember the iconic moment of Bill Belichick going for it, backed up way in his own territory. Why? Because he said to Peyton Manning, indirectly, he goes, that's Peyton bleeping Manning mm-hmm. on the other side. Right. If we punt it to him, right. he's driving down the length of the field. We, The best chance we have to win the game here is to possess the football, try and get the first down with Tom Brady, and that's how we're going to try and win the football game. So I think Shane... I know maybe his decisions have been a little bit uber-aggressive, and, and I think there's an audience out there that doesn't necessarily love-love that. Oh, I agree. But I think you should tend to be more aggressive, but at the same time, don't ignore game, flow, personnel available to you, how your opponent is looking, those sorts of things. Again, your run defense analytic chart with Grover Stewart looks differently with him than it does without him Mm -hmm. in the lineup. So I think it's important to make sure you have both of those things in there. And I do laugh at this, and this is just, and I do it all the time from a fan standpoint, Andy. On fourth and inches there, if all of a sudden... Whatever. Devin White reads the play right and runs with Mo Ali Cox. Oh, we crush him, yeah. And what do we say? Too cute. Too cute. Shane Sykin, way too cute. Run the How ball much the you pay, play, yeah, paying right. your line? How much you paying Jonathan Taylor? Because it works. It's a brilliant, brilliant play. It, and this is week in and week out. You see it everywhere. We get so invested into these little short yardage situations that all of a sudden... You crown them or you don't. And in my opinion, overall with Steichen, putting the fourth and inches aside, putting the fourth and six aside, again, I go back to this. I think as we exit 2023, Colts fans should and will feel very encouraged by their head coach in being the right guy for a modern approach that was needed with this franchise and obviously needed for Anthony Richardson and his development. We we feel like from the 50 and in, if it's fourth and short, they're going for it. Like if we keep the blackjack analogy, we feel that, right? I think the fourth the, I mean you you would would you agree with that? The fourth Probably, the yeah. fourth and six I thought was on the edge. Agreed, yeah. 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 I thought and, that and was it, on the edge. Again, some people maybe looked at Tampa's fourth and ten and thought, well, sure. I, I I don't know what you do there. I mean, they're down two scores. I I, I think at that point. Um but but I I it kind of made this. I, I like the sense. aggressiveness and it's backfired, but it also led to a couple touchdowns right. on Sunday. I, I side a little bit more aggression than not. I mean, go back to the Germany game. He goes for that fourth and inches there early in that game or whatever it was, fourth and one. That touchdown is the difference. Jonathan Taylor, that's the only touchdown scored in that game. Um so yeah, I, I think I mean if you're making any coach of the year list right now. Oh, he's got to be on it. He's got to be on Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to win it, obviously. But he is on any sort There's of no doubt. four, five nameless. And again, this gets into the Coach of the Year award of do you give it to the team that's over-exceeded or overachieved or however you want to describe it, or do you give it to Matt Painter's Purdue Boilermakers who won the Big Ten by three games? Yeah, you know, like, does it go to Chris Collins because yeah. he overachieved at Northwestern? Or does Matt Painter, who was picked to finish whatever, one or two in the Big Ten, but yet they win the Big Ten by three games, does he get it? Maybe that'll be Shrewsbury this year. Like They'll just, overachieve in the ACC. <laughs> I, I can only hope they They'll win ten games in the conference. Like right now, is it Nick Sirianni or is it Kevin Stefanski? 
I, is it Dan Campbell I, I, I or is know. it D'Amico Ryan? Or is it D'Amico Ryan's, right? Like, uh, wh- where do you, f- <laughs> and I guess Campbell, you, they, they probably have overachieved even more, even though they did lose on Thursday night. Uh, coming up in a bit. We do have some news. Can okay. I give you some yeah, news? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shaq Leonard visiting the Cowboys today. Today and tomorrow, it looks like. Tom Pelissero just tweeting that out. So Shaq Leonard will be visiting the Dallas Cowboys. And correct me if I'm wrong, Leighton Vander Esch, ironically enough, him and Shaq, I think we're kind of going head-to-head for Defensive Rookie of the Year back a handful of years ago. He's done for the year, is that right? I believe so, yes. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't. I will stand by what I said last week. I, 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 just don't I, know I think if Shaq should be, uh, be on the couch for the rest of the year. I just, yeah, I don't know about that one. You're going to join a contender, and the contender is going to have no ties to you whatsoever. The leash is going to be incredibly short. If you look like you have looked here in Indianapolis, uh, you're benched, and now that's more bad tape in another city, and that might be the end of the end. He probably thinks, I want to play football really bad, and if I disappear for a couple months and then an offseason, do I ever reappear in an NFL that's you know drafting 200-some-odd guys every single offseason? I'm with fair. you. Listen, I, 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 agree, I agree with you. I, I don't think, you know, right when Leonard got let go, it was like, oh, he's going to end up with this great team. I, I, great teams need guys that are making plays. Shaq Leonard's not making plays. If he made a few plays, he'd still be on the Colts roster. Jason asks this, does Week 18, Texas versus Colts, decide Coach of the Year if both teams are fighting for nine wins in a wild card spot? The game could mean everything. That game, and I'd have to look at the schedule, obviously, come Week 18. Andy, that could be the game flexed into Sunday Night Football. Let, let me look, but you're probably... You know, one it, of the, it could it, be, yeah, let me Colts look. the Colts were in that back in 20... Was that 2018? I think it was Colts and Titans flexed into Sunday Night Football. The Colts go down to Tennessee... They win that game with Andrew Luck and Frank Reich and company, and they clinch their spot into the playoffs. All right, right, so let me read some of these games. Looking at it, you might be on to something. So the only other game— Is there an NFC South game that that, that could— Steelers-Ravens is that week. Okay, but Bucks Panthers no, Cowboys Commanders no, Rams Niners no, Chiefs Chargers no, Seahawks Cardinals again. These are all teams that are either in the playoffs or and, and you know up against a team that's not. Falcon Saints potentially that that would be one. Uh, Jets Patriots no, Bills Dolphins probably not, Broncos Raiders probably not, Jags Titans, Bears Packers, Vikings Lions, Browns Bengals Giants Eagles. I mean, the Eagles won't be playing anyone in that game. And the Giants will be continuing to ruin the draft stock by winning games. So, yeah, I mean, Texans-Colts, to me, is a top-two game that week, potentially. Again, Colts and Titans coming up. Tennessee in Week 13, they continue to win at home and be awful on the road. They did beat the Panthers yesterday. Ugly. Levis didn't do much, right? He hasn't really done much since his his debut. No, again, what happened in his debut? They let him throw the ball deep. Like don't like keep it in front of you. Don't let Levis you know get the ball 45, 50 yards down the field. You can win the game. One more game without Grover Stewart. One more. And of course, it is Derrick Henry on the opposing sideline. All right, uh, we're gonna get into some Tom Allen firing chatter coming up, especially at nine o'clock. Zach Osterman from the Star is going to join us. Zach mentioned he um, thinks that this search could go pretty quickly. Um, so we'll touch more on that. And then one of the stars of the game yesterday, we touched on it a little earlier. Ronnie Harrison Jr. He had that second quarter interception of his former teammate, Baker Mayfield. Ironically enough, just minutes after they had showed Shaquille Leonard on the Jumbotron following that tribute video. Uh, So Ronnie Harrison Jr., quite the story here. He's going to join us 
coming up at 9.30. Ronnie Harrison Jr. was so unemployed this offseason, Andy, <laughs> he went back to college to finish his degree. Oh, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Did he finish? Or, back he, to Al- I, I believe he, he gets did. Some, he gets some classes out of the way. Good we, for him. We can confirm that with him in about an hour. Uh, all right, let's do a morning check down from a busy, busy weekend, Thanksgiving weekend in sports. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, let's start right there with the Colts. 27-20 winners yesterday. Finally, second win this season in Lucas Oil. You mentioned the Ronnie Harrison pick. Here's Shane Steichen talking about that post game. No doubt. It's huge. Obviously, uh, getting in the system, learning the system, and then obviously getting a lot of action out there today, and then to come up with that pick uh, that came from the preparation. Guys were wired up on that play. I heard everyone calling it out. It was awesome to see the deep over, and he under, you know, got underneath it and made the pick, so it was big. Colts and Titans, 1 o'clock. That's a CBS game on Sunday. I haven't seen a line yet, so I'm looking right now. Uh, Looks two like two-ish. Colts yeah, favored. Yeah, Colts favored by two. Looks like an early over-under of 42 and a half. It is a big spread tonight inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. That would be the Pacers' 12.5-point favorites over Portland. For those that don't follow NBA lines, that is a huge number. Now, Portland did play yesterday in Milwaukee. They actually led the Bucks by double digits entering the fourth quarter and then got run off the floor in the fourth, outscored 33-14. to Portland has lost 9 of 10. You know, it's a very new-look Portland team. Malcolm Brogdon on their roster, DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they, they were you know with the Damian Lillard trade and then everything that kind of transpired from there with Drew Holiday. Uh, it is a very kind of new-look Portland team. After tonight, the Pacers on the road for six straight games. Now, sandwiched in that, though, is going to be that in-season tournament. So, coming up later this week, the Pacers will find out who they will be playing in the in-season tournament. What we know is this. Next Tuesday or Wednesday, they will have a quarterfinal game inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. If they win that, then they will head to Vegas for the in-season tournament. But uh, later this week, it'll be two in Miami, and then the in-season tournament follows after that. Oh, two in Miami. Hope Three nights in Miami Ooh. sounds Ooh. like a Rick Carlisle yeah. disaster. <laughs> we'll have to ask him. Hopefully no one gets that Miami flu while they're down there. Oof, boy. Ugly. A.K.A. Live Nightclub. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure there's a lot of nightclubs that you could get some sort well, of Well, that's the only one I know action. because I'm a I'm a dopey guy in Indianapolis right now. I don't know anything about Miami. The bucket is staying in West Lafayette. Hudson Card and the Boilermakers, they win a game between two very bad football teams Saturday afternoon. Uh, Card, after missing the previous week, 275 through the air. I think he was it 85 he had on the ground there. Um, Indiana uh, loses 35-31. Oof. So Ryan Walters, four wins in his first season. Uh, Indiana, of course, three wins. Tom Allen then fired thereafter. Uh, we've got the Big Ten title. I'm so happy that Iowa is coming to our city. Oh, no, I know. Nothing dr- screams economic impact like the <laughs> Iowa fan base descending upon your city ready to drink beer. Well, we need to get JMV out there at a remote with a bunch of Iowa fans drinking beer. What do we need to do here? Uh, you want to guess on an early line? For Iowa and Michigan coming up Saturday night inside of Lucas Oil Stadium? Uh, da, 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 da. I'm going to go, let me go 22 and a half. Oh, boy. You are good. Is that good? Michigan favored by 23 and Ooh. a half. <laughs> yeah, give me Michigan. Hardball's back and everything else. Sounds like state championship lines right now. Literally, <laughs> it does. Uh, college basketball yesterday over Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Indiana 89 76 over Harvard. Uh, Andy, I think little debate. Probably their 
best half of the season, that second half after they were down at half to Harvard. Uh, the big dudes, they played well. Cleo Ware has been really good here to start this season. Uh, McKenzie Mbako, easily his best game in college. 18 points for him. Malik Renew battled a little back injury uh, to also score in double figures. I would say exiting, though, the big news item to watch would be the health of Xavier Johnson. If I'm not mistaken, I think... I saw. I believe that was the left foot he was icing it yesterday. Was. It was. The right foot is the one that he hurt last season, and that ended his season back in December. Um, I know they obviously played their best half of the year without Xavier Johnson. I would think it'd be foolish to think that you can survive a season without him. Though. Yeah, Mackenzie Mbako was pretty good yesterday. Can I give you a Mike Woodson soundbite? Uh, I just I didn't edit this, Mark. You're gonna love this from a guy who deals with sound all the time. Just the end. I want you guys to listen to the end of this clip. He's a freshman, and he's been working. And hopefully, this will be a nice carryover to the next game. Are you going with the sniffle there? <laughs> yeah, the sniff at the end. I'm like, we could have trimmed that off, but I'm like, you know what? That makes this worth playing at 8.30 in the Was morning. Was he not happy with the, the question? The sniff at the end. I don't know. Has Woodson sounded happy at all this season? I always laugh. He's very quick to, you know, he's a freshman. Why do you guys keep asking about McKenzie yeah. and Baca? I'm like, you're the one yeah. benching him. Yeah. Like, he clearly, you're not happy. So let's not act like all of a sudden it's been some rose-colored start here for Mbako. Nonetheless, uh, he was pretty good yesterday. And again, when the college basketball rankings come out today, you got to think Purdue, I mean, they should be unanimous, unanimously ranked number one in the land. It's not close. After what they did in Maui. And by the way, shout out to Butler. They won two of three in their tournament in Florida. Uh, they're only lost to Florida Atlantic. They beat Penn State and Boise State. Boise State, a tournament team from last year. So, bad, modest bunch. Uh, nice start to the season. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sniffle there. I do love the sniff at the end. Uh, state finals, uh, you, you mentioned it, Andy. It was not a, a very uh, evenly matched, really, any of the six, six games. Uh, your state champions in order from 1A to 6A, Lutheran, Lures, Chatard, East Central's dominance this season continued in 4A. Fort Wayne Snyder and then the Ben Davis Giants with a hell of a run. They beat Crown Point to win the 6A state title. Again, none of the games very close. Um, Am I wrong that a Ben Davis touchdown got called incomplete? That yeah, was Mark an Zachary, o- right? That was an obvious touchdown because that, very ma- obvious, well, that uh-huh. made National Sports Center. Did it really? Yeah, that was on Sports Center. Like this poor high school ref was getting dogged for missing what was an obvious touchdown. Yeah, I was glad that that didn't, that didn't impact. Yeah, yeah. The what game. was more obvious that or that hit on Justin Herbert that wasn't called? I as could not the believe passer. that was not called last night. Oof, poor Brandon Staley. I, I just can't believe Staley and Frank Reich are still employed. I got to be honest. I'm with you. I, I feel just like can't we, believe it. I feel like we six we, weeks left. We could get the 10 a.m. news dump there for one of the two, if not both of them here, after how those seasons have gone. All right, on the other side, we'll continue to talk a little Tom Allen and that firing. Uh, in Bloomington, and also the Colts six and five entering the month of December. Imagine saying that at the start of the year. We'll hit on both items coming up on the other side. It's a wake up call with KB and Andy. 
Reminder, Ronnie Harrison Jr. had the big interception of Baker Mayfield yesterday. We'll talk with him coming up at about 9.30. Zach Osterman going to join us in about 25 minutes, top of the 9 o'clock hour. Tom Allen fired there at Indiana. We'll dive into that here in just a second. I wanted to ask you guys two things, okay, before we dive into that. And, uh, you know, Mark, we'll have to move aside here because this is a Kevin Bowen thing is what I'm oh, trying to say, okay? Bye. Uh, did you see halftime of the Cowboys game? Who the halftime performer was? Did you see that? Yeah, that was Dolly, right? Just as a Cowboys cheerleader. It, it, it was Dolly, uh-huh. and uh, she was a heck of a lot better than Jack Harlow. There was. What um, was the budget on that halftime show? Oof. Five bucks. Woof! Saw a ratings Woof. chart that had a lot of blue pill purchases, <laughs> a lot higher for the older generation at about what was that well, six p.m. Yeah, on Thanksgiving? They'll they'll mail it in discreet packaging uh-huh. so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, honey, I gotta leave the table for a second. Everybody, we were we were all like eating, and we all looked over like, whoa! I trust me. It I was like, a- I think everybody just stopped what they were whoa. doing. Like, she's seventy seven. I had to do a double take there. Yeah, that was quite the sight there. Yeah, well, I, figured, I figured you guys would no have an need opinion for on dessert that. for a lot of the older generation yeah. after they saw Dolly there. Yeah, at yeah. halftime. Where's Grandpa? Yeah, I figured. I figured that would uh, elicit some conversation. Down just a little bit. Yeah. And well. then, did you see the red zone? Did you guys happen to see any of this for the late games? The fire I know, I, yeah, I know you guys were at the one. You're at the Colts game. So it, during the, it was probably close, like seven, maybe seven fifteen. Obviously, the Bills and Eagles was going to go long, and Scott Hansen for a good 35, 40 minutes. KB in the background every time they turned his mic on, the alarm with the automated attention. There is a situation. You need to be evacuated. That would play when he was narrating between. Games. He's like, I've been doing this for how long's he been doing it? More than a decade. He, you know, he's been on TV for 20, 30 years. He's like, nothing like this has ever happened. That's a sick prank if someone did that. Well, he's out in California, so I didn't know was there weather in California. Like, I had no idea what kind of bad weather was in California yesterday. Well, Probably should have looked said, that up. Originally, he said like. We have to evacuate. And then, so then there's a brief pause, and they were just sticking on the Eagles Bills game. And then, like, two minutes later, he comes back. He's like, I've been told I can stay in here. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is gone. I'm like, we so can sacrifice you, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> it's me and my producer, and that's it. We're going to give you the red zone all uh, the way to the end. What'd you make of Tom Allen's statement uh, yesterday? Did you, did you happen to catch that? Yeah, I did. I, l- let me toss this snippet out there for those that might have missed it. Um, Tom Allen released a statement on his end yesterday afternoon. Um, And it said this, college football has changed dramatically over the past several years. Some of those changes have been a shock to the conscience of those who support IU football. The time has come to fully embrace those changes, and I pray that IU does that. (laughs) It's a crappy thing to pray for, no offense, but you know. There's other things. It, well, well, I mean, <laughs> I know it's a figure of speech. Fandom is yeah, is, I, I, is fandom. I, I, I'm out a very religious individual. I, I, I know it's a figure of speech. It, but it's yes. something that you know. I, I definitely want to toss Zach Osterman's way when he joins us in about 20 minutes. But it, to you, does that scream all nil? A little bit of facilities? Where, where Every, everything? What do yeah. you make? Yeah, all yeah everything. It? Yeah, yeah. To me, Indiana is is just light years behind. I mean, the fact that you know you're talking about a weight room and you're talking about. Um, 
uh, NIL. I mean, guys, these, I mean, the weight room should have been years ago with the Big Ten money and NIL. I mean, you're you're two years behind. I mean, I know just down the road, you know, Mark Stoops tried his damnedest to get that Texas A&M job. You know why? Because of that. Because he's been having to beg money for the last two years. He's been passing around the hat begging money for Kentucky football. And I view this very similar to, to Indiana football. What I don't know, and I followed IU football, I just, I don't remember Tom Allen bringing this stuff up at other times. Oh, no, he has. Yeah. Okay. He's got some public radio show moments. Well, good. Then that's then that's on, then yeah. that's on IU. Mm-hmm. Then no, then the IU brass there needs to be, you know, feet to the fire. What are you doing with NIL? And that goes back to the fans. Listen, I, I wasn't too harsh on this, and, and I regret it, to be quite honest. But I remember you guys talking about this. You know, there was a game week three this season that was a mile down the road from us. How many IU fans are in this area that was at Lucas Oil against a coach in Jeff Brom that you knew and against a Louisville team that was fine, and Lucas Oil was empty. I mean, Louisville had twice as many fans there as Indiana did, and I heard, well, you know, they didn't... They didn't advertise the game. It's like, well, you're supposed to know where your games are uh, and when they are. And by that time, it was week three. It wasn't like it was week nine and you were struggling and you'd been through three quarterbacks and there were injuries and a bunch of bad feeling around the program. Kevin, it was week three. You were one and one on the season and your one loss was Ohio State where didn't you feel like for a half or three quarters you played okay? Like defensively, you hung in that game. Ultimately, you ultimately you lost 23 to 3 but it wasn't like you were blown out in that game so you got to win you, you you stuck with Ohio State who very well you know going to be in the orange bowl or something like that and you had no fans there and the games in Lucas Oil in Indianapolis and so I, you know, listen I, I just you guys tell me uh, should we be talking about it at 8:42 like I'm I'm asking you all because there's there's such a it has you have to be all in in college football and Indiana feels like they've dipped the toe in. They've tried to be half pregnant. I, I, I just listen. I, I I don't know who they go for. I know Greg Doyle wrote how you know the Big Ten's a beast, but it's it's a great time to take the Indiana job. Uh, is it a great time to take the Indiana job if you don't have a weight room and you don't have NIL figured out? I mean, the next coach that comes in here is going to have to set up an NIL program for the football team, right? Yeah, I mean, I know, I mean, that's I, the number one thing I care about. I don't care about what kind of offense or defense you're running. It's it's what can we do to, to raise money to get players in here that can compete at any level. And I'm even talking about, as you are, like I'm holding them to the level of being Rutgers or Maryland. Rutgers 6-6 six and six this season, Maryland 7-5. and five. Yeah, both going to a bowl, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in your division. Again, in, in, in your division. I, I think a couple things stand out to me. Um, I would say Tom Allen's downfall if you want to boil it down to one thing, it was just the inability to sustain competence on offense. Um, the offense coordinators came and went. Not all of them overly successful. Obviously, the quarterback position was an issue. The offensive line position was an issue. Um, and in today's college football, you just can't sus- sustain when that side of the ball is that poor. Not to mention, to your point about nobody showing up at Lucas Oil Stadium, you just aren't entertaining. Like, you just don't score. It's boring as hell to watch Indiana football right now as well. Um, I think you need to do something outside the box. I think you need to do something different. I think you need to do something unique. Uh, I think you need attention for your program. Um, I think you need attention with your alumni. 
And to me, that is a move like an Antoine Randall And I know a lot of people push back on that. A lot of people disagree with that. No, you need someone that's built a program. You need to. I'm like Tom na- Allen was a position coach leading into this job. Name me all. Name name me all these Mac head coaches that all of a sudden are going to make the right. You know, is this Daryl Hazel 2.0? Right. Like to me, you need to create energy around an absolutely dead program. And that's where I look at a guy like Randall L and think there is a possible. It might go horribly, but to me, when you've been the laughing stock of major college football in my entire lifetime, pretty much, I guess over the last what forty some years, uh, do something different. And so that's a route that I think should be explored. I'm not holding my breath. Um, you know, Justin Fry from from Ohio State or whatever, Jason Candle from. Mm. Toledo, do they go with the ex-Wabash head coach and Chris Creighton at Eastern Michigan? Mm-hmm. You know, do you even make a call to a Paul Christ or uh, Ed Orgeron? You know, some of these names, <laughs> you, you could probably laugh at some of them. Um, God, Ed Orgeron. We start. We played so much sound, what, so much Ed Orgeron sound. Like, in all likelihood, you're going to make a 180 from Tom Allen. So what is the 180? Well, it's head coaching experience. And it's the offensive side of the ball. That I, I think, in all likelihood, is probably where they're going to go. Um, but I would be very open minded to doing something that all of a sudden says, "Did you see who Indiana hired?" Right. Whoa! Like that to me, I think is needed to try and inject some sort of energy and life into an absolutely lifeless program. You know, the problem that I have with IU, there are programs. Iskiodo. You said Ed Orgeron. That's immediately who I think <laughs> there, of. There, Farmer Fran. Th- there are there are programs. Yes, there are programs where. You feel like if they can get the coach, they can be something. Indiana has been so lackluster, okay, over the years that I don't know if you get the right guy if you can be something. Does that make sense? Well, can't you just be Rutgers or Maryland? Listen, I understand that. You just, like, to me... Can you be a stepping stone? Like, Western Kentucky has actually done this to where they had a run there of several coaches that you knew weren't going to be there. And I know they're a lower-level conference, USA, and everything else. But but they you know they would get a coach, and then that coach would leave. Louisville fit that mold until Jeff Bromley. They would get a coach, be a pretty good coach, and then that coach would leave and go to, you know, think of Charlie Strong in Texas or something like that. Can you be that? And I think that's what's worrisome about this job is, do do legit candidates feel like they can even, A, turn you around and B, if they can't totally turn you around and, and lead you into waters you know you haven't been to, if you will, in the Big Ten, can they do enough to jump themselves to a big-time job? I mean, Elko did it at Duke. The ACC isn't very good. I mean, the Big Ten's a total double-edged sword. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. You get all the money in the world where you should have every, every resource in the world, but the problem is you're not going to win a bunch of games. Well, it's just so damn difficult. And, and, and I look at college football differently, certainly, than the NFL. I look at it as a your head coach is your brand. And that person has got to bring clout. They've got to bring energy. They've got to bring notoriety, um, attention to the table, especially when you are at the level of where Indiana is right now as a college football program. I, I just don't see the hiring of, again, insert your Mac coach here, all this, or Paul Christ coming back. Oh, at, God, no. Out of retirement. I'm, I'm God, trying to think no. of your former head coach experience. That all of a sudden going to inject something 
into your program, I, 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 especially when the college football age has changed so, so much. Um, that's where I l- l- look at things. I know we're up against it. You have a name. Yeah, I mean, I mean th- these, are are four, you... these, these are four names, and I think Osterman had hit on some of them. Listen, I, I think Antoine Randall is really interesting, and I think if you got a staff around him of um, – I'm, I'm blanking. Okay, Beeline's gone from Michigan. Howard got hired, and he put who next to him? The St. Joe's Phil coach. Martelli. Phil Martelli. Yeah. And that was like a big deal. Remember, sure. it was a Martelli. Okay, he's going to – and now he's coaching and, you know, whatever. I, I think if Antoine Randall not that he's not a smart football guy, but to help right, run it, a little more yeah, college experience, yeah, but, yeah. but you know something like that. I, I think that that would be to me interesting if Randall L could bi- could build a staff there. I'm a huge uh, Sharon Sharon Moore fan at, at Michigan, who's taken over here. Maybe he, he probably thinks I'm going to get the job in Michigan if Harbaugh goes. Right, that's uh, kind of my I'm, assumption. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of his Midwest recruiter. Big fan of his. Uh, Mike Hart is also there at Michigan. If Harbaugh left Been to Indiana, for yeah. A if, if 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 uh, if more left if more took that job if Harbaugh left would Hart you know think hey maybe I move somewhere else and then I don't think he'll ever do this I think he's got more SEC to him I think he would have got the Kentucky job had Stoops left I am a huge John Summerall fan at Troy huge Summerall fan he feels more he did some Midwest recruiting maybe a little bit more uh, in the South but I mean he's 22 and four with a bowl win in two seasons at Troy um, to me, that would excite me. Indiana fans are probably thinking, who the heck is that? Young guys, probably 40, yeah, he's 40, 41 years old, kind of a younger guy, energetic guy, and I think he's a really good coach and recruiter. Those would be four names, but they're not going to hire those yeah, guys. And, and I mean, again, they're not going to. The list of Ed Orgeron, Dan Mullen, Jimbo Fisher, they've got oh, one more shot at it. And they're making how much money, especially Jimbo? Dan Mullen didn't want to recruit at Florida. Why would you want this job? No. I mean, Dan Mullen did not recruit at Florida. And that's how he ended up on ES. And that's how he ended up on ESPN. And it's not like his door has been, you know, knocked down the last couple seasons. Yeah, you know, I'm off on Dan Mullen. I want nothing to do with Dan Mullen. Okay, we'll continue this conversation coming up in the nine o'clock hour. Also, Ronnie Harrison Jr. After his interception yesterday, he'll join us at nine thirty. It's a wake up call with KB and Andy. So I'm looking at five games of Will Levis. Remember, he had the four touchdowns against Atlanta last month, right before Halloween. Remember that? Before you put on the the bacon outfit and everything else. Uh, That's easily his best game. Uh, He had more yards, but no touchdowns and a loss to Pittsburgh. You remember that was a Thursday night game. Had the interception at the end. And then against Tampa Bay, a buck 99, no touchdowns and a pick. QBR of 25 against Jacksonville, 158. Did add the two touchdowns. No picks. Uh, had a QBR of 16 and then against Carolina, 185 on Sunday. No touchdowns, no interceptions. They won 17 to 10. So, I mean, this is one of those where you would hope Gardner Minshew can be a heck of a lot better than Will Levis, right? Boy, and how about the Titans? They are 4 0 at home. Now, uh, the teams that they've beaten at home this season, the Chargers, the Bengals, or excuse me, yeah, the Chargers, the Bengals. Um, the Falcons, and then the Panthers yesterday. So they are undefeated at home. They've lost all seven games away from home. It's just wild um, to look at it like that. But again, one more game without Grover Stewart. And I feel like you're playing with fire there. The worst rushing offense in the NFL in Tampa had 6.6 yards per carry. That is a large, large number. Um, How does that look? on Sunday against Grover Stewart. So now it's back-to-back on the road for the Colts. And by the way, that Steelers game, I this is just my gut 
reaction. I know a lot of Colts fans are curious. That's the next home game. Is that going to be a Saturday game? The Colts are one of five games that will slot into three Saturday time slots. Uh, I think it's like one, four o'clock, and eight. I would assume because the Colts and Steelers are both in playoff consideration, that's going to be a Saturday game, right? I mean, I would have to think so. That's a main game, is it not? Especially if the Titans win on Sunday. And this especially goes especially if they beat the or the Colts beat the Titans. And this goes back to Colts Patriots were in that Saturday night slot a couple of years ago when both of them were in the playoff mix. Then, so again, that is just my assumption. I don't know that for sure, but hopefully, we'll get some word on that here pretty soon. All right, coming up, uh, we're talking Tom Allen and the firing of him. Zach Osterman from the Star. A lot of questions to toss his way. We'll do that next. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Three games all came down to the last play, you know. Um, opportunity to win the game and finish it out. And it is very frustrating, disappointing. Without, I mean, disappointing is not even the right word. It's just devastating, to be honest with you. You know, there's just a reality of, of how things have changed, you know, in the, the world that we're in now. Um, obviously saw you mentioned the back-to-back January bowl games and then you know, the three years falling short you know um I get it you gotta win I understand the nature of, of college football and I understand that full well and it's a long long time so um I want to win more than anybody so we're gonna keep battling and scratching and calling so that's out of my hands it's not up to, it's not up to me yeah, that's obviously before Tom Allen uh, was fired, canned, uh, let go, whatever you want to say on uh, yesterday. We'll get Zach Osterman here in just a second. I, I don't know. For me, Tom Allen felt like the couple bowl games he's referring to, the Gator Bowl and the Outback Bowl, uh, you know, especially the COVID year in 2020, kind of smoke and mirrors. Did you feel that way? I mean, uh, uh, you know, yeah. winning some close games sure. that this wasn't going to be. And I don't know how much to blame him for this. We were talking about coaches and everything else and I understand why he left and he made the right choice but you can go and look back directly at a guy like Michael Pettix leaving your program well and again I really can't or a guy like him I should say you know a few times this morning I think it generally the falling apart the inability to sustain anything offensively was the downfall uh whether that's a coordinator whether that's the offensive line issues whether that's Pennix and the quarterback revolving door etc etc um, and, and I th- that's the biggest question that I have, and that's probably why the candidates that I'm going to look at, it's going to be a little bit more offensive-minded. Again, I mentioned Randall L. I realize that that is probably in the unlikely boat, considering his experience right now is only in the NFL as a position coach. Two other names I want to make sure that, that I do mention, Andy, before we get to Zach Osterman. Um, Jake Dickert, the head coach of Washington State. The question I would have there is, uh, first off, I think Washington State is in a similar level to kind of Indiana in regards to their conference and where they're at, the resources that they have compared to the other teams in their conference. Obviously, the Pac-12 is extinct. Well, they're, they're the only ones in the conference. It's them and who else? So, Oregon State. And so, Oregon State, they're in a two-man conference next season, aren't and, they? And he's got some Midwest ties. <laughs> so, would he be looking to make a move? Uh, the other one is actually an ex-Indiana player, uh, currently at Ohio State, their associate head coach, offensive line, that would be Justin Fry. Um, he's been at IU. He's played. He's been a coach there. He's played there. He's, he's been a coach at some big-time coaches, or excuse me, some big-time programs, uh, Elwood, Indiana native. So those would be two names. Probably that fall a little bit more in the realistic mm-hmm. category sure. than a guy like Randall L. Um, again, those don't necessarily bring all the attention 
to you, but I, I guess I got to live in a little bit of dose of reality. But again, you're, you're IU football. You've been the laughing stock. I do something a little crazy and see what happens. Before we get to Osterman and we talk about this, I'll ask you because you're a football fan of, uh, you're an elitist when it comes to college football and, 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 and Notre Dame and everything else. Comes with where, a negative connotation. Where, where to do it. you, uh, it does. Uh, where do you, where do you stand on Ryan Day being able to beat literally everyone else except for now simply Michigan? Did and we get people, a Lou Holtz troll? Did I, did I see that correctly? Oh, uh, did someone tweet something out? Did Lou Holtz troll? Is that what he did? He would never. Never do that. I believe he, he did. He would never do that. It's like what forty-one and three against everyone in the Big Ten. Yeah, that was except the, for Michigan. Was that a the win happened on Saturday? Is that the lesser of two evils? Was that oh. Michigan and Ohio? There's no one out there honestly rooting for Michigan, right? No, me yes, and Mark right Titan, Yes, in, in, we, we are in the room with you, hundred percent. Are you guys instilling to your children we support cheating? Hashtag L- go listen, blue. Listen, li- little gas has no idea what's going on. Okay, he, he, so one day when he looks baby. back on he's this mission, baby, when he sees Sharon Moore <laughs> crying after a game, and he says, "Daddy, who died? Why is he crying? Oh no, our head coach cheated. That's why he's crying. If you're not first, you're last. That's what he'll say, Ricky Bobby. If you're not cheating, you're not trying." <laughs> <laughs> it's a big time college football. Come on, KB. Does Iowa have a, 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 a miracle was chance? Coach. Who, what's that say? Does that again? Iowa have a miracle? No. In them on Saturday? No. They're going to score ten points. No. They're going to drink. I, I guarantee this. Iowa's going to drink a lot more beer than Michigan. What fans. day do they get here? Probably Thursday. Is it a Thursday oh, yeah. morning People flight? People in Iowa aren't even working. Yeah. Hell yeah. No. They're, they're <laughs> going to bus over and drink on the way over here, and then empty into our bars and good for them. Drink every Michigan fan here. Twenty three and a half points. That is the line. Heading into the Big Ten title game Saturday night. It has been a very, and obviously the Iron Bowl was a wild finish, but for the most part, it's been a pretty anticlimactic month of November for college football in terms of the best teams. Sure it has. I mean, uh, oh, playoff rankings announced tomorrow night. or like, who cares? Is it tonight or tomorrow? Are it's you, tomorrow night, yeah. I mean, there's really not a whole lot of indecision. Certainly Florida State had some shaky moments. Obviously Alabama had some really shaky moments over the weekend, but those teams held serve, and now... Uh, we'll see what happens this week. Yeah, but right t- now, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington are in the driver's seat. Yeah, to me, it's about can you know can Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game? Uh, where does Ohio State end? And then Florida State, if they lost to Louisville, that would knock them out of the first four, uh, the you know the final four, which I don't think they're going to get in anyway. Uh, and then they would take the Orange Bowl from Louisville, Florida State, Ohio State potentially uh, in that matchup. We'll dive into that as we go. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star joins us talking about the firing of Tom Allen and what is next. Zach, good morning, sir. How are you? How are we doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, he got some money on the way out. I want to dive into uh, the uh, the buyout in the meeting in the middle, if you will, with Tom Allen. But let's start here with the Allen firing. Uh, you know, he said IU needs to adapt. He said that multiple times, said it before he was fired, released a statement after he was fired as well, that IU needs to adapt to an ever-changing landscape. What specifically did Tom Allen mean? Yeah, my suspicion, obviously, I don't want to put words in his mouth. My, my suspicion is is NIL um, and, and really emphasizing NIL in football. And I think that's something that, you know, I think Indiana probably, you know, sort of, I don't want to say struggle to figure out, but I think, I think you know, NIL is something where I think, you know, if, if you're a football school, your basketball program, if you're a basketball school, your football program, I think, I think, 
people sort of, it was really easy to figure out kind of NIL for your primary um, program, kind of in the early days of name, image, and likeness, if you understand what I mean. But I think figuring out strategies for, you know, maybe the secondary programs, the non-revenue sports, et cetera, I think kind of had to evolve over time. And particularly if, you know, you're a basketball school trying to figure out how to make NIL work for a football team with 85 scholarship players and, you know, all the math that comes with that. Um, I think I, I do, I am pretty confident saying Indiana's come a, a fair ways with NIL in probably the last 12 to 18 months. And, and my understanding is in, uh, Indiana is prepared to, I don't know the exact number, um, but, but, you know, what I was told was millions, plural, um, to put into the hands of its next head coach. So I think Indiana, you know, wants that to be uh, part of the appeal of the job rather than maybe a drawback of the job as it takes it into the market here. Um, but, you know, listen, when, when you're in a, a conference with the Michigans, the Penn States, the Ohio States, there's always going to be somebody in that world that you feel like you're looking up to, you know, from a resources perspective. And I think Indiana, probably like a lot of schools, you know, kind of the – the hazy middle, you know, bottom half, maybe the Big Ten, has got to figure out how to kind of maximize NIL in a way that keeps them, you know, at the top of the pile of, let's say, the the, the teams between 6th and 12th. And Zach Osterman broke the news yesterday and had a very, very busy day. So, Zach, appreciate first credit to that and appreciate the time here on this Monday morning. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I I do want to go back to the buyout money because I I think it's a general curiosity a lot of people have of like, okay, where does this money come from? Um, We saw the announcement yesterday, the buyout that was $20 million. Uh, negotiated down to fifteen and a half million. That'll be paid in two uh, installments. Um, is it fair to say that that just means Tom Allen got more money up front? And then where exactly does that money come from? Yeah. So basically, the way Allen's buyout worked, if 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 they just done it according to the terms of his contract, they essentially would have just kept paying him his monthly salary for four more years. Um, all of his guaranteed income. So in his, in his contract, the, the, the three sources of income that were guaranteed that weren't like performance-based or, or, you know, bonuses, incentives, were his base pay, um, some, deferred, some deferred pay, and what's called outside marketing and promotional income, which is basically the part of a contract that allows the university to say a state employee is only making $500,000 in base salary. Um, but allows them to pay a football coach four or five million dollars a year. Um, essentially, if 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 everyone had just kind of gone with your the terms of the contract, Indiana would have just made those monthly payments to Tom Allen for the next four years, as, almost as though he were still on uh, on payroll in a way. Um, but there are kind of some there's some caveats to that. So, for example, Allen had. A uh, what's called a duty to mitigate. He had a basically a uh, a responsibility or an obligation to seek employment in football and get paid at a at a market rate that would be subtracted from whatever Indiana owed him at a given time. So if he'd gone and gotten a job for five hundred thousand dollars coaching, you know, linebackers somewhere, Indiana would have owed him five hundred thousand less per year. Um, and that stuff is just kind of, it's, it's, you know, it's tricky and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's two sides that have to agree. Did you, did you make a good faith effort to find employment? Are you being paid a market rate? 
all those different kinds of things. Sometimes everybody just wants a cleaner break, and I think in this case, Allen is essentially just getting, as you said, those those two um, kind of lump sum payments, um, $7.75 million, I think, next month, and then another $7.75 million sometime next year. I'm not exactly sure when. Um, the, the question of where it comes from is, is an interesting one to me. I think in the release, Indiana only specified as far as to say – uh, I think Department of Athletics donor funds, that is a comfortably vague term. Um, you know, they, they didn't do what they did with Archie Miller, where they came out and said that one single donor had stepped up and covered the cost of Miller's buyout in 2021. It was a little over $10 million at that time. Um, you know, that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that there is a small group of boosters paying for this. It also doesn't necessarily mean Indiana is just fronting the whole bill itself. I think it's just a way of sort of saying, again, of, of remaining probably somewhat intentionally vague about exactly where that money's coming from, which probably means it's just kind of being drawn from a lot of different sources, probably some donor support specific to this, probably a, a little bit of leaning into the new Big Ten TV revenue streams that are obviously uh, wider and more lucrative than they were even in the last deal, which was, you know, so rich for the conference. Um, so it's probably a, 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 you know, a handful of sources to be honest. What do you think Tom Allen had to do this season to not lose his job? Zach, any idea? I mean, I think if he'd made a bowl game, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you know, and I, I guess the probably the ultimate sort of stress test to that question uh, or the answer to that question would have been if he'd if they'd lost to Illinois, but they'd squeezed out the wins over Michigan State and Purdue. Right. Uh, if they'd gone five and seven, they'd won both their rivalry games. You could make some sort of, you know, you could make a credible sort of case of two wins, four wins, five wins. There's progress here. There's some young talent on the roster. Again, I do think Indiana had kind of started to turn some corners in terms of figuring out how to make NIL work for the football program. So maybe you can keep a hold of some of those guys, your, your Donovan McCulley's, your Brendan Soresby's, et cetera. And listen, they may still, let's, let's be fair. I mean, I know these guys are, I know these guys are hitting the portal. I'm going to write some about this later today. Fans should not panic about that. Um, a lot of these guys were probably going to test the portal anyway. That is just the nature of college football today. The question was always going to be, I mean, even Tom Allen himself said after the Purdue game, we just have to go out and re-recruit our whole roster starting, you know, starting tomorrow. The question is not going to be how many guys hit the portal. The question is going to be how many guys the next coach wants back and manages to bring back. Um, because it's, it's much more about, as Allen himself said, re-recruiting your roster than maybe panicking when those guys announce they're leaving. And that doesn't mean they'll all come back. But I think that, you know, it, it, when you talk about what would have kept Allen in a job, you know, I think it would have, I would have been curious to know if five and seven with the wins over Michigan State and Purdue in the season might have done it. Um, but then I, I also do think that Indiana would probably still be in a similar position with a lot of these kids hitting the portal. And I don't know that that necessarily would have caused Scott Dolson panic or anything like that. I think everyone understands that's just the modern sort of landscape of college football. But it would have been an interesting stress test, I think, to just kind of see where all the dice landed, if you understand what I'm saying, um, if Indiana had finished 5-7. and seven. 
It's been all over the story. Uh, Zach Osterman with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Zach, you can point to, I think, any sports uh, franchise, college program. Typically, the hire is a 180 from the previous hire. The Colts, the Pacers, Indiana basketball. I mean, so often, that's what you see. Um, If you were going to maybe make a prerequisite list, what would be some of those things on that, you think, for Scott Dolson and company? I do think coaches with extensive experience running their own program um, probably hold a lot of appeal for Indiana. I I wouldn't rule out some potential up-and-coming assistants. You know, I've got a couple on my my coaching board, which I'm sure is full of coaches who will never speak a word to Indiana. That's just how (laughs) these things go. Um, But, like, I think, you know, Justin Fry, a lot of people have mentioned Justin Fry at Ohio State, who, of course – Played a lot of games for Indiana as an offensive lineman. Fry's been with Chip Kelly at UCLA. He's been with Ryan Day at Ohio State. He's probably kind of young um, in terms of his, you know, his experience. Like I don't think he's called plays um, at either of those stops. But you know, there is some pedigree there, and obviously there's the connection to the program. The other one I'd be curious about from an up-and-coming assistant's perspective, if he would be interested, would be Mike Hart who uh, is Michigan's running backs coach, but obviously was Indiana's running backs coach for four years. Um, Really well-respected in Bloomington. Left a really positive impression on a lot of people. And there are people up in Ann Arbor who think that Mike Hart may be the head coach of Michigan one day. So that's not just a, you know, that that sort of opinion of Mike Hart is is not just one that is held by people in Bloomington, um, that he's got that kind of gravitas and that kind of ceiling as a coach. Um, But I do think, you know, at, at this point, and it's very early on, like, uh, you know, my guess is, I mean, Scott Dolson and Pam Witten, I believe, were both at the basketball game yesterday in Indianapolis. My presumption is that they'll be either on Zooms or in, you know, on a plane today, really starting the process of, of digging through and speaking to people directly and not just sort of making calls and making lists, but, but trying to hone in on, you know, a more sort of refined list of candidates. I, I suspect most or all of those are going to be coaches with, a lot of experience running their own program, whether it's maybe somebody, you know, who's in a, you know, a Pac-12 or a Big 12, I guess, now job that they might want to try and lure with some Big 10 money, whether it's somebody down at the group of five level, like a Willie Fritz, whether it's somebody who's not in, in coaching at the moment, like Dan Mullen or Paul Chris. I think there's a feeling that, you know, with the way the Big 10 is going to be next year and for the next couple of years, um, Indiana has got to have somebody who's a really steady hand at the wheel, not necessarily just because they're the opposite of Tom Allen, but more because it's probably going to be a challenging and turbulent handful of years for Indiana. The Big Ten's getting more difficult. The playoffs expanding. You know, it's, it's, it's not getting easier to win here. Um, and, and I do think there are still some upsides, some upshots to the job. Um, you know, being in the Big Ten, having the Big Ten money, frankly, you know, being buffeted from the winds of, of conference consolidation. But in the same breath, you know, just the, the physical act of winning football games in the Big Ten is getting harder for everybody starting in 2024. And I think Indiana wants someone that has a really sort of clear-eyed vision of being able to come in and say, this is what I do, this is how I run it. You know, I've done this for many, many years, so I know what I'm looking for when I go out and look for transfers, when I go out and look for freshmen, when I go out and look for assistance. You know, there's there's no sort of learning on the job. I just I think at this moment in time, 
specifically. I don't know that Indiana is the sort of place where you can hire somebody who's got to grow into the job. I think it's got to be somebody with, unless it is a special case, an assistant that just knocks your socks off or maybe a really young head coach, I think it's going to be somebody that is, is – has a pretty extensive head coaching resume. And judging by your tweet from last night, uh, you said we can go ahead and cross John Gruden off <laughs> off, off the list. You know, listen, I, oh. I, I I don't think you never say never in coaching searches. You know, recruiting and coaching searches are the two things. Never say never. You know, there's there's crazy things are always bound to happen, um, and you never know who might say no or, you know, who might say yes or who might impress you or whatever. Um, I can comfortably say, having dug around that a little bit yesterday afternoon and evening, and Gruden was, you know, a, a, a name that because of his his sort of tangential ties to Indiana, I had kind of poked around even yesterday morning before I think some national outlets linked him. Um I'm I'm comfortable or I'm confident saying as of right now I do not expect John Gruden <laughs> to really get it. But I'll always hedge with these things. You know, coaching searches can get weird. They can go sideways. You never know how they might change. So I'm never going to say somebody absolutely will not get the job. Um, but I would not. I would not put John Gruden on my list of candidates right now. Let's put it that way. Uh, Zach Osterman on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, you can find out all of his stuff there. Uh, Hotboard 2.0. I'm sure there'll be other renditions. We'll see exactly what this timeline for Dolson and company looks like. Uh, just, you know, I, while we have you, I might as well ask, how concerned should Indiana fans be Xavier Johnson's left foot from last night? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tricky one because he played through it, and he obviously wasn't 100%, but he played through it in New York. And, you know, maybe there's an extent to which it's it's kind of – you have to sort of do this calculus sometimes, especially in non-conference play, around essentially how hard to push a guy. And, you know, I mean, hey, when Xavier Johnson went out, Indiana was down one, or, or at least I guess he went out in the first half. He didn't come back after halftime, but at halftime, Indiana was losing by a point. Um, but then Indiana, of course – kind of takes care of business without him, doesn't really look like they, they, they need him. And I'm not saying they're better without him by any means. I'm just saying sometimes you have to do this calculus with players who maybe are fighting through nagging injuries. And it's kind of one of those where if it's, you know, if it's the semifinal of the Big Ten tournament, I'm betting Xavier Johnson comes back into that game, if you understand my point. Oh, sure, uh, right. But because it's Harvard on, a sun, on the Sunday after Thanksgiving – it's a game that Indiana should and ultimately does win, you know, fairly comfortably without him. Um, it's probably one of those where it's a little bit of a better safe than sorry. I think that, you know, the, the, maybe the, the better test will be kind of number one, obviously how he's able to manage it over the coming weeks. But number two, you know, does he play against Maryland Friday night? If it's still bothering him, do they wind up holding him out of Michigan or Auburn games where, a, he probably wants to play both as a competitor and just for the chance to, you know, kind of showcase his, himself against better uh, opposition. And B, in games where Indiana's going to look at it and say, eh, we probably need him. You know, we didn't need him against Harvard. We probably need him in this game. Um, I'll be curious to see that. But, but I guess what I'd say at this point is it does feel a little bit like one of those where he played through it when Indiana – you know, kind of needed him to, and when maybe he was saying, no, I want to play at the Garden, I want these 
I want to play these tough teams. I want to be there for my teammates. That's kind of what he said after the UConn game or the, or the Louisville game. I can't remember which one we talked to him after, but um, you know, it, it might be one where a little bit like the way they managed Trace Jackson Davis's injury around the same time last year in the games where maybe they can live without him. If it's bothering him, they just, Get him now. Zach, great stuff, man. Um, I know it's been a super busy time for you, so appreciate you making a little bit of time for us, and uh, good luck with uh, the rest of this week playing out. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. Zach Osterman, Indianapolis star, right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. Again, Indiana basketball will open up the Big Ten slate coming up Friday with Maryland. All right, in about five minutes, Ronnie Harrison Jr. He had the pick yesterday of Baker Mayfield just minutes after they showed Shaq Lunder up on the Jumbotron. Kind of a interesting, a bit odd, but uh, kind of a feel-good sequence as well. He's going to join us in a few. Before that, let's go morning check down. The morning check down. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, 27-20, that's the final score. Shane Steichen and the Colts winners yesterday. We've talked, obviously, a ton about that. Colts go to 6-5 and five on the season. We'll be playing in Nashville in December with a ton on the line on Sunday. Post-game, Shane Steichen on the win. Great team win. I mean, huge to get to six and five, um, and then heading in obviously to a division game next week against Tennessee uh, will be big. But huge team win. Defense came up big there at the end with the uh, sack fumble. Um, you know, offense did a good job moving the ball in that first half, getting 17 points, and then finding a way obviously at the end, four minute uh, to put it out. So good team win. Okay, Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, both over six yards per carry. Michael Pittman Jr. He had the one drop, but I thought a very methodical oh, he's day, great. He's uh, great. especially with Josh Downs and Gardner Minshew just not totally in sync. Um, yesterday as well. So uh, the Colts right now clinging to that seventh and final spot in the AFC, and we'll continue to obviously monitor that throughout the final six games of the year. All right, tonight over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Pacers and Trailblazers, a 12.5-point favorite Indiana. They beat Detroit on Friday to clinch a home game in the quarterfinal of the in-season tournament. So basically how it looks right now is this. Portland tonight at home. They'll go to Miami for a Thursday-Saturday uh, two games and three nights in Miami. And then Andy, either next Tuesday or Wednesday, will be that home game quarterfinal of the in-season tournament. They'll find out their opponent here, I believe, late tomorrow night. Still a few in-season tournament games left to be played. If they win that, then they'll head to Vegas for the semifinals and the finals next week. So, um, again, a little bit of a kind of an uncertain, I guess, unknown schedule. Uh, but we do know a home game next Tuesday or Wednesday for the Pacers in their in-season tournament. Rick Carlisle joins us tomorrow at 8. Yeah, a couple Indiana Nuggets, uh, Hoosiers winners, 89-76. We talked with Zach about that. Uh, Xavier Johnson obviously did not come back after just 13 minutes. A play where was great, and Baco finally was pretty good, uh, and Malik Renew as well. So Indiana moves to 5-1 and one on the season. Purdue winners in the football game, 35-31. The old Oaken Bucket. Have you ever held the old Oaken Bucket? I have Kevin not. Bowen. I have oh, it's too not. bad. No, I think they should have maybe given a plastic bucket out. <laughs> After watching that performance, well, they do have de- they do have decoys. They do for some of these games, uh, much lighter decoy. Not all of them. Uh, and speaking of college basketball, yeah, I think Purdue going to be ranked number one in the land today when the new poll comes out after their impressive performance in winning the Maui invite. All right, on the other side, Ronnie Harrison Jr. He had the big pick in the second quarter yesterday. Uh, quite a story for him. He joins us next. 
It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ball in the far hash. Tighten in the right side. That's Co-Keefe. Play action. Mayfield in the pocket. Steps up. Rifles it over the middle. Picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it. And that's Ronnie Harrison. The Colts activated him and brought him up from the practice squad to the active roster. The former safety, now playing linebacker, got in the way of that pass and picked it off. Is ran out of bounds and the Colts will have a turnover and a takeaway and they'll start in plus territory. No doubt, it's huge. Obviously, uh, getting in the system, learning the system, and then obviously getting a lot of action out there today and then come up with that pick. Uh, that came from the preparation. Guys were wired up on that play. I heard everyone calling it out. It was awesome to see the deep over and he uh, you know, got underneath it and made the pick, so it was big. You better lose yourself in the music, the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. All right, Ronnie Harrison Jr. going to join us here in just a second. That's uh, the words from Shane Steichen, the play-by-play from Matt Taylor, a big moment in yesterday's game. He, he looked, looked like a safety making that play, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you damn right he did. You better believe he did. That's one thing we got to ask him, changing positions and everything else uh, once you get to the NFL. Let's get him going. Ronnie Harrison Jr. joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Ronnie, thanks a lot, man. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we were listening bef- as you were dialing in, uh, Coach Steichen postgame talking about you know people on the sideline knowing what play Tampa and Baker Mayfield were kind of going to go to, and you knew as well and made the play. So what did you see and, what, and when did you know the play and what Baker was going to do with the ball there? Um, well, really, uh, kind of was just playing reactive, you know, um, uh, they gave a play fake at first, so we were thinking run to the left. And then uh, after that, I'm just trying to get back to my spot on the field. And then uh, I just take a peek at Baker, notice him, noticing him staring down the route. So I just kept going to it, turned back around, and the ball was there. So I just catch it. And uh, it was exciting, man. Uh, I can't even believe it. It's a blessing. Ronnie, before yesterday, when's the last time you played linebacker <laughs> in a football game? Never. <laughs> Never played linebacker. Wow, that one time? Were you always a DB? Yes, sir. Always a DB. Um, grew up playing quarterback and then moved to DB uh, in high school. Played DB my whole career until yesterday. So um, it's good to start out the linebacker career with a, with a pick. So for those unfamiliar with your story, by the way, Ronnie Harrison Jr. with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Again, you heard the highlight right there, the big second quarter INT, which the Colts turned into seven. Um, so the Colts approach you. You spent training camp with the team, a little bit of training camp with the team. Um, then you come back onto the practice squad earlier in the season, and they approach you then, and they kind of pitch this, hey, I know you were safety. What do you think about linebacker? Is that kind of how it went? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, a couple of the coaches came to me and – they just said that they think I'll be a better fit, you know what I'm saying, at linebacker. Um, I could still play safety if need be, but um, they wanted to see what I could do at linebacker. So I've just been working there the whole season um, on practice squad, like you said. I'm just trying to learn the fundamentals, get the techniques down, you know, get used to playing the position. Not to get and, too uh, – sorry to interrupt, and not to get too personal, I've certainly put on some pounds here over the last handful of days thanks to the Thanksgiving holiday. Have you had to put on weight to play a little linebacker? <laughs> Oh yeah, yes sir, definitely. Um, I put on about ten, ten to fifteen solid, solid pounds of muscle um, since they made the switch. So, um, yes sir, I definitely had to get a little bit thicker to go in the box. So is that what, like two? What are you at? Two twenty-ish? 
Yes, sir. Around 220. You mentioned technique. What's the most difficult football thing transitioning positions while you're in the NFL? Um, really, really is just, I mean, being able to deal, you go from dealing with wide receivers, tight ends to now you're dealing with 300 pounders. So, uh, really that's the, <laughs> that's the biggest switch right there. Um, uh, just being able to play with leverage and, um, uh, use my hands more and, uh, so I can be active and use my skill set. Ronnie Harrison Jr. with us here on The Fan. It's a reaction Monday. Colts winners over the Bucks, 27-20. You know, we've had, especially after these wins, Ronnie, we've had players on here, and I kind of ask the same generic question. Usually get a pretty fun answer. Uh, what's the locker room like? But it also, it seems like this team has a pretty good feel around it. Would that be fair to say? What's the feel around this team? Seems to be fun, at least. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, we're having fun. You know, we're taking things one, one week at a time, and uh, we're, we're on the details. We work hard during the week. And um, Sunday is fun day to me. You know, we go out there, we have fun, we cheer, we cheer each other on. You got offense coming down there, giving us high fives when we do good. We we cheer them on while they're on the field. So it's a it's a big group effort. Um, I love the locker room. I think we're heading in the right direction, and uh, we're just taking it one week at a time. It's now linebacker in your program, <laughs> Ronnie Harrison Jr. joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Ronnie, I want to go back to last Monday and Tuesday for you. Um, I, I, I don't know how well you know Shaq Leonard or maybe know, knew him before your arrival here, but what were your emotions like when you saw his release? Um, honestly, I was a little shocked. Like I, I didn't expect it or see anything like that coming. Um, but, you know, it's it's the NFL, you know, stuff stuff like that happens, you know what I'm saying? But um I was just shocked initially. Um I knew the guys with I know uh Zaire and, you know, E J and those guys, or the rest of the guys in the room, I know they they had a close bond with Shaq, you know, me just getting here. I was getting to know him but he's treated me well, you know, he tried to teach me a lot of things while I was here, you know what I'm saying? So I got much respect for him. I played against him while I was in Jacksonville, so um I got much respect for him. I, I almost thought it was like a movie scene playing out yesterday when they show the tribute video of him. He's on the Jumbotron, and then you make the interception, whatever it was, two minutes later. Did you happen to see that video? And if I'm, that had to be one of your first plays on the field, too, even uh, even during the game. Yes, sir. I seen him. Uh, I seen him doing the, uh, the little tribute video to him, and seen him up there in the stands with his family. And uh, that just kind of got me turned too. I didn't, I didn't expect, it, expect him to be at the game, so I'm like, okay, Shaq here, like I gotta go crazy, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I just felt like I had to respect him and you know go crazy in that moment and um, just show them guys that you know I could play too, you know, and I don't, I don't want the level of play to drop just because he's not here. Ronnie Harrison Jr. with us here on the fan. Uh, how much? We'll get back to the culture in a second. How much did you see the Iron Bowl over the weekend? Oh boy! Did you see what happened there? Yeah, I seen a lot of it. It was it was <laughs> crazy. Did. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Um, came down to the end, and we we got the win in the end. But uh, that was too close for me. <laughs> well, speaking of, speaking of the Iron Bowl, do I have this correct? This off season, you did you go back to Tuscaloosa or did you do it online in finishing up your degree? I did it online, but I went back for graduation. Yes, sir. Nice. And part of this, to have this correct, was because you know you 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 didn't have an NFL home during the off season. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, I was already working towards it the last few years. Like in the off season, I'd take a couple classes when I could. But this was like perfect timing. You know, I didn't have a 
an NFL home, like you said. So I was able to go back and do the graduation process and see Coach Saban. So it was good for me to be able to do that um, and go back because that was my first time going back since I left. So Hmm. it was actually great. So the Colts bring you in. Again, Ronnie Harrison Jr. with us. You saw the interception. Honestly, looked like a DB making that leaping grab against his former teammate Baker Mayfield with that pick there. Um, Ronnie... I guess is there any sort of seed of doubt that creeps into your mind as you know you go through this past off season? It's very quiet and teams calling you. You know, training camp starts. You get a couple weeks into camp, still no one has called you. What was that feeling like? And potentially, did you think, oh boy, you know, maybe I have had my last crack at it? Yeah, yeah, uh, that that was that was a tough situation. Uh, I'm not even gonna lie. Like it definitely was times like you know I'm just I'm training and I'm coming home and. I go through the week and I'm just like, bro, like, what, are, what am I training for? You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I doing? I'm not hearing anything. I'm going back and forth with my agent, not hearing anything. So it really, uh, it really humbled me um, all in all. And uh, I really had to turn back to God and start praying, you know, and going back to church. And that really just helped me with that process and find strength to just keep going. But um, it was tough. I'm not even going to lie. It was very tough. What do you think the prep will be like for the Titans and then yourself? How do you grow your role here with this team, do you think? I think it's just, you know, continue to try to, you know, be effective with the plays that they give me. You know, go out there and be an impact, you know, whatever whatever amount of plays that I get, you know, just try to make an impact. Um, just try to use my skill set to an advantage. So, that's my that's my biggest thing. That's my biggest thing. That's what I'm trying to bring to this defense. You know, my skill set, and just play fast and try to get turnovers and you know and play with excitement. You know, play with energy. That's my thing. What a moment it was yesterday, Ronnie. I can only imagine what obviously the last few months, but in particular the last week has been like for you. Quite the uh, emotional roller coaster. Uh, but a hell of a play yesterday. Congrats on the win and uh, good luck uh, down in Tennessee coming up on Sunday. And appreciate the time here. All right, thank you. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. You bet. Ronnie Harrison Jr., after that pick, you know, Andy on the old bingo card, I would not have had that on a, hey, um, we're going to have him on the show on Monday. But the story to me, I think, is really, really cool. And I mentioned this earlier in the show. The play looked so Shaq Leonard vintage like to me. It was was so eerie that the tribute video happens. And then a few plays later, and, and I. I don't know how to say this without sounding a little harsh. I mean, Andy, that's the play that Shaq Leonard hasn't made mm-hmm. right. in the last you know year plus, and Ronnie Harrison Jr. comes out and makes it. Yeah, I mean, good for him, man. I mean, it's got to be. Listen, that's a lonely feeling when you've been Former something third round pick. Yeah, I mean, you know? you've been something your entire life, and then you're staring at the possibility of not being a football player, and then you know you're with the Colts, and you're not with the Colts, and you're back with the Colts, and then you're changing positions, which I would imagine has to add even more anxiety. That you know, it's like a baseball player that's you know they always throw him on first base, right? <laughs> hey, go be a first baseman. It's like, yo, I've been a first baseman since I was 12 years old. Can't really hide. <laughs> in the NFL. No, no. You know? it's like, really oh, oh, yeah, now, now you're yeah. going to change positions in the NFL, and then the Shaq Leonard stuff was a surprise to Leonard. Well, you sure know it was a surprise to everybody else in that locker room, and then, boom, you're in the game, and then you have a moment in the game, and you have a chance now. If you're Ronnie Harrison, it's not only, hey, what did I do yesterday against Baker Mayfield in the Bucks? It's, okay, now how do I take those, what was it, seven snaps? How do I grow that? How is it 10, 15, whatever it may be? Um, how, how do I help contribute uh, to the team, you know, I was laughing as well. 
I'm 39, so I'm going to be 40 next year, that like online classes were just becoming big when I was kind of like moving out of college. Okay, so I never did, I've never done an online class uh-huh. in my, but I was laughing at him. Like if, you know, if you went back to school, you'd have been the old guy. Like Ronnie would have walked in, <laughs> yeah. he would have been the old guy with a bunch of yeah. 19 year olds. Yeah, exactly. You know, now you, guys, you can take it online. You guys need me to buy anything? <laughs> uh, some help here for the homework? <laughs> some, some natty ice. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, oh. Shout out to Ronnie yeah, Erickson good story. Jr. Though. That was a hell of a play and uh, glad we were able to have him on uh, here on this Monday. Um, all right, on the other side, we still got to give out our goats from the weekend. We'll slide that in here as we close things out on a Monday. It is a wake-up call of KB and Andy on 93.5107.5 The Fan. I appreciate you joining us on this Reaction Monday. Miss any part of the show? Check it out, 1075thefan.com. Download the app. Take us wherever you may go. JMV at 3 o'clock. Query and company coming your way at noon. Reminder as well, Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, will be joining us tomorrow uh, at 8 a.m. Uh, cannot wait for that. Portland Trailblazer, a little Shaden Sharp in town. Uh, I don't know why I went to Shaden Sharp. I just followed him. Malcolm his, Brogdon his half, tribute video, his half, right? His half year. Yes, the Malcolm Brogdon uh, tribute video. Uh, you have breaking news, something that we talked about wow. for about two hours, so not surprised this happened. You said it was going to be 10 a.m. and it happened at 9.47 instead. Yeah, off by 13 oh. minutes. So to have this math right, 55 weeks, a little over a year after Frank Reich was fired, here in Indianapolis, he gets canned in Carolina, fired by the Panthers. Uh, one in ten, David Tepper. <laughs> Quite the move by the new ownership, uh, relatively new ownership, I should say, in Carolina there. You think in any way, shape, or form that like stunts what Carolina might get from a head coaching candidate well, standpoint? That was going to be my question. Or I mean, is it he, one of 32 it, and people well, doing it? Well, it is one of 32, but... How many people, I tell you what it is, how many people, move the ownership aside, the quality of the head coach is going to tell you what the NFL thinks of Bryce Young. That's what I think. Don't you? I mean, if like if like the Texans' job came open, or even if Shane Steichen left the Colts, you look at Anthony Richardson, especially Stroud has played an entire year, like, oh, i got a great young quarterback that we're not paying a ton of money to yet. Uh, I mean, you know, if guys are fighting after that job, they believe in Bryce uh, Bryce Young. And if not, I think it tells you that Tepper probably should have let his football people make that pick. Gosh, it's just wild to see. I mean, think about that. You get I mean, they're, they're two and a half team. months, I know. three I months, know. and that's it. Does it? I mean, do Colts fans feel like it validates yeah, I, anything? Again, him I, being fired. I mean, Carolina's I, a bad team. I guess I've said this on several occasions throughout the show. I think the biggest thing of signs of encouragement exiting 2023 for the Colts will be Shane Steichen's presence. Yeah, we agree. So I, I think that is true. At the same time, man, you just think, part of me is like, don't you deserve a little bit of a longer leash than that? It's a, It's got to be a personality thing a little bit too, don't you think? I, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Lo- here's a problem. Losing, I mean, you know this. You, you know this. The Colts won yesterday. We haven't talked about Gardner Minshew today. Who threw that terrible interception? Who in the middle of the game 
wasn't very good. We haven't talked about Shane Steichen for the last 11 minutes of the second quarter and three straight possessions not getting the ball at all to Jonathan Taylor. Now, it wasn't that Zach Moss was bad. He was fine. But Jonathan Taylor not touching the ball essentially for the uh, for, for most of the second quarter. But you win a game, and we've talked more about Ronnie Harrison Jr. today, and Carolina is just stacking loss after loss after loss after loss. And if Frank Reich, we talked with Holder about this a couple weeks ago. If Frank Reich wasn't like all in on Bryce Young, uh, that marriage, that marriage was doomed, man. Right? I mean, wasn't it doomed? Yeah, and, and I also th- I'm very confused by all of that too, Andy. Like you don't trade for the number one overall pick and then potentially force upon a certain quarterback on your head coach. Like you, you let him make that decision. I don't know how true that is. You again, know? yeah, we don't. Knows? But it does sound like David Tepper is a heavily involved owner. Heavily involved owner. It is crazy to me, and I think about this in relation to the Colts right now, Andy. Colts are on a three-game win streak. That is the first three-game win streak for the franchise since December 2021. And that is the moment where everything spiraled downward Mm -hmm. for Frank Reich. Right. Indy had beaten Houston. I'm trying to think who the other team was. They had beaten New England on that Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium, and they had a 90-some percent chance to make the playoffs and then they lose the home game to Rich Passaccia interim head coach in the Raiders when they had a chance to clinch a playoff spot then they get blown out in Jacksonville in the season finale and everything unraveled from there obviously you win four games the next year Frank gets fired in early November it's just you go back to that Christmas game oh Arizona that was the other game that they won last year in that season they won the Christmas Eve game in Arizona I mean just how quickly all of it has unraveled for Frank Reich. How and much money is David Tepper throwing around? Because Matt Rule I mean, and now all of it, all Frank of it. Reich, good lord. Yeah, all yeah. of it. Yeah. There's no, listen, uh, if you want to do, we can do goats of the weekend. You know my goats are? Frank Reich and uh, Tom Allen. We're getting all that <laughs> Who cash. Is the goat? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's here that's why he's the goat. The goat. Or goat. No! Ah! Ah! This guy sucks. Of the week. I'm a man. I'm a man. Frank Reich to IU. <laughs> Get those retweets. Like Lovey Smith going to Illinois. Yeah, boy. Minus the beard. Yeah. Although I, th- I could see Frank Reich growing a mean beard. But he'll never be able to grow the beard of Lovey Smith, unfortunately. There's nothing better. Yeah, we need to look up how much he's going to get paid out the door, Mark, because, what, Tom Allen negotiated down to, what, 15.8 to not even play? I mean, his buyout was, like, second this year. Might might be end up being about second this year, so the good for him. Deal he was I, just last thing I'll say on Frank, I, and I mean this in all seriousness, the, the man has such a passion when it comes to the religious sector and things like that. Oh, sure. I, I, I think just find something that you can kind of marry that and sports together because I do think there. I mean, we just heard Ronnie Harrison Jr. talk about it with us. Um, you know, potentially, I think there could be an opportunity for him somewhere. Um, all right, uh, where would you go, Andy, for your big goat, all caps goat of the week? Uh, I mean, I hate doing this. It's a team I was most wrong about, and I don't mind admitting it. I thought they were going to end up gagging it away at the end. They didn't. Jacksonville, the Jaguars. Hmm. I mean, they went on the road and they beat one of the hottest teams it in the NFL. It pretty much locks up the AFC South. Uh, it locks up the South. They've won, what, seven out of eight games. Now, they did get blown up by the Niners. They've won seven of eight games. I mean, they're squarely looking at Bengals, Browns coming up next. A so Browns quarterback position and Garrett. 
I mean, you could be looking at two more wins. I mean, this is a team that I laughed at the first month of the season when, ah, they're going to be in the AFC Championship game or hosting or whatever it may be. But, I mean, they have Titans, Panthers, Bucks, Browns, Bengals, and Ravens. But, I mean, they could win. I mean, they won four more games, KB. That'd be a 12-win season. I think they could be a 13-win team. Jumbotron Entertainment inside of Lucas Oil Stadium for my GOAT of the week. We had, I think it was Challenger of the Eagle during the National Anthem. Great military tributes all day long yesterday. We had Tina and Chuck Pagano on the Kiss Cam. Well, Kiss Cam, I yeah. mean, say no more there. Uh, you had Adam Vinatieri looking like he could play, you know, fourth and one Zaire Franklin fullback <laughs> on the anvil. And then, of course, you had the Shaq Leonard action. That's There's what I'm doing. There's a lot going on. It was a very busy, busy yeah. day at Lucas Oil. It's a Mark, good day at Lucas Oil. You got one? Yeah, one I never thought I'd say. The Broncos. They've won five in a row. I don't know them? how much staying power they have, but they They've look got like an a one schedule. They, look, they got they one eighty from last season, even earlier this year. Big games upcoming: Texans, Chargers twice, the Lions, and then throw the Patriots and Raiders Oof. in there as well. But that'll be pretty interesting to see what they can do. We got to go fairly quick here. College football teams can't play prevent defense. Not at all. Hello, Auburn. <laughs> Notre Dame against Ohio oh, State. Man. Joel Ayers and I were talking about this yesterday. My lowercase goat. It's fourth and goal from the thirty-one. Auburn. <sighs> Six years ago, uh, it was six years from the the kick six in the Iron Bowl. So for the six year anniversary, it was the oh, what are they calling it with the quarterback's last name? They're, they gave it a name already in Alabama. What a terrible way Milrow to lose! Milrow Magic, yeah, Milrow. Like and the, the best part is the crying fans. And like oh, I, get I love the SEC I, I, I also I get it, but it's like Auburn, you're also bad. Lowercase goat. Man, I hate doing that. I was at this game. Louisville football. We can move on. People don't care. What a choke. Well, they still got a chance, right? If they well, beat they, can make, they can make the Orange Bowl, but man, they had a chance to do something special. Mark, well, uh, uh, yeah, we discussed ugh. it. Frank Reich and just the awful situation ugh. the Panthers are in. They look they looked like a complete mess, and your next head coach has to really like ugh. Bryce Young. A lot of Tom Allen ugh. talk. A lot of Colts moving to 6-5. and five. Again, thank you to Ronnie Harrison Jr. That will be up on the podcast as well, as we look ahead, it'll be Rick Carlisle joining us 8 o'clock tomorrow. Pacers and Trailblazers tonight. Again, Indiana heavy favorite over Portland. Everybody have a great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.